Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. Now to the war between Israel and Hamas. The battle intensifying. Intense combat in the Gaza Strip. At the U.N., a resolution for a ceasefire was vetoed by the United States, the only country to vote against it. Humanitarian organization Doctors Without Borders calling it a vote against humanity. But the U.S. defends its decision, pointing to a lack of condemnation for the horrific terror attack on October 7th, including the sexual violence unleashed by Hamas. The Israeli prime minister responding by saying he greatly appreciates the correct stance that the U.S. has taken. The University of Pennsylvania president, who had come under sharp criticism after her testimony on Capitol Hill on anti-Semitism, has resigned. She had declined to say that a call for genocide against Jews violated the university's code of conduct. Just days after her widely criticized testimony before Congress, embattled University of Pennsylvania president Liz McGill has voluntarily resigned, saying in a statement, it has been an honor to work with our faculty, students, staff, alumni, and community members to advance Penn's vital missions. Alongside the presidents of Harvard and MIT, responding to questions on anti-Semitism, it was this stunning exchange that prompted calls for her to resign. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. We can report on a stark reversal for former President Donald Trump. He announced on his social media platform that he will not take the stand as the final defense witness tomorrow in his New York civil fraud trial. Trump already testified when the state presented its case. The New York Attorney General filed a $250 million lawsuit against Trump and his company, alleging they are liable for illegally inflating the value of Trump's properties for decades. Shohei Otani. The star pitcher, the star hitter, the superstar baseball player for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim is now a Los Angeles Dodger. That brother, my Asian brother, the Asian sensation, that brother just signed a 10-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers for $700 million. Only in America, baby. Only in America. The greatest mayor oh, of all time. I got enough Rudy of that last night. My, my head is going to get too big. Sit in me. Honorable mentions by uh, the former president and soon to be president of the United States last night. The president mentioned me, me a number of times. Very, very nice about being such a very good mayor, he said. And, and then he mentioned Sid a couple of times. I could be indictment proof right now. You know, I don't think they can do it, Sid. I don't think they can do it. But they stopped it. They heard about it. I think they sent their biggest people. Don't do it! Local DAs, all controlled by the White House. And they think that the threat to democracy, and that's what it is, it's a hoax. It's a new, we call it now, the threat to democracy hoax. (laughs) That's what it is. These guys are so good with misinformation, disinformation. It's a slight difference, you know. You know that's it, right? There is a slight difference. If you want, we can talk about it, but let's not bore the audience.
Glorious, glorious night, Saturday night at Cipriani's Wall Street downtown, New York City. It was a glorious, glorious night. You wouldn't know it this morning when you wake up on this really lousy Monday morning. It rained all night. I've got, I've got water damage. You can't make this up. You can't make this up. I had to leave my house in Bell Harbor for six months. Six months. Moving to the city, into hotels and an apartment in Battery Park because my pipes burst. And uh, we're laying in bed last night about 9 o'clock, me and my gorgeous wife, Danielle, who looked absolutely stunning on Saturday night. It's like 600 messages from people talking about how beautiful she looked. We're laying in bed and the alarm goes off. We're like, oh, my God, what's that? And it turns out there was some flooding in the basement. And it set up my house alarm. And then we looked at the the roof on the second floor by my kitchen, and it was bubbling up. I can't believe it. Here we go again. Welcome to Rockaway. Oh, my God. We just spent, with the insurance company, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now water. I mean, how bad did it get out there last night, Noam? It was um, not terrible, by the way. I mean, it was predicted to be a lot worse. Um, but by you, Queens and Long Island took the brunt of this storm. What do you mean? How bad was it in Queens and Long Island? You know, they were talking in some places that there would be five inches of rain. That did not happen. But there was a couple inches of rain, and apparently that was enough to do some damage to, like, your house and others. Yeah. Jeez. Well, Saturday was uh, was great. That's the good news. And uh, you heard there in the open, uh, Rudy Giuliani talked about it on his show with Dr. Maria yesterday. But then you heard the actual clips from um, from Donald Trump, and uh, there it was. You know, it's one thing to be in an audience with the former president, 45, hopefully soon to be 47, which I was, and we were. About 1,000 people showed up at Cipriani's on Saturday night, about 1,000. But it just so happens there was this one hoarded-off area. It was about eight tables. And that was uh, the only part of the of the party that was actually guarded by the Secret Service. And one of the tables was Andrew Giuliani, his lovely wife, Z, and a bunch of folks there. Another table with Rudy Giuliani. You had Ina Vernikov. You had Vicky Palladino. You had my table. And the table right next to me was Gavin Wax, happens to be the head, the president of the New York Young Republicans Club, and at his table was, uh, for example, Matt Gates, who had a great speech on Saturday. Great. And Matt Gates' wife, Ginger. You had Steve Bannon, who will make his debut this morning on our program coming up at 8.15. Turns out he's a huge fan. Not a big fan, a huge fan. You had uh, Alina Haba, Trump's attorney. You had Boris Epstein, one of Trump's uh, most competent friends. Um, you had um, Corey Mills. And then there was one seat Right behind me. I mean, literally back-to-back to to me, and it was open. And after a bunch of speeches and about, I don't know, about an hour, they make this major announcement. Everybody, please rise. Here he is, the 45th president of the United States. And in walks Trump, and he's getting bombarded, and people are looking for high fives in the audience. And Secret Service walks him in between the ropes right to his seat. (laughs) 
You can't make this up right next to me. Right next to me. So I'm sitting there for, uh, I don't know, a good 20 minutes, and I lean over to Gavin, who's sitting next to Trump, and I go, hey, is it uh, okay if I lean over and take a picture? Now, moments before that, Lauren Boebert, you know, the uh, the gun-touting congresswoman out of Colorado, who uh, wore a very, very tight dress, by the way. <laughs> she looked great. Um, she walked over to Trump and took a selfie during dinner. I don't think Trump was happy about it. So Gavin was like, nah, not right now. I said, okay, no problem. So then Gavin gets up to introduce Trump to this uh, audience of a 1,000 people. He goes up on the stage. Trump looks at me, gives me the little second finger come here, and says, and we're literally sitting face to face, he goes, I got to tell you, Sid, you're a great guy. I said, wow. He goes, come here, sit here, sit here. So I go into Gavin's seat right next to the president. Danielle's taking pictures. If you go to my Instagram page right now, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, or my Facebook page, Sid Rosenberg, you see a bunch of pictures with me and Trump, including one where Trump literally kind of playfully, you know, hits me in the shoulder. That little back and forth there. I know you saw that, Noam, yeah? I did. That was a great little video. That's a great little video, yes. So now I'm actually hanging out and talking with the president. And he is absolutely 1,000% attentive. And for all the times he's come on and said, ah, Sid, you're a good friend, you're a good friend. It was evident that night that for some crazy reason, this guy loves me. He loves me. Then he goes up on stage and puts on this unbelievable 65-minute speech. And he mentioned a lot of folks during this speech. He kept saying, Steve, that's Steve Bannon who was right there in the audience. He kept saying, Matt, that was Matt Gates. He, he must have mentioned Rudy a thousand times, which I was really happy to hear. Rudy Giuliani got a lot of play, a lot of play. Best mayor ever, great friend, great guy, so deserved. I loved every second of that. He mentioned Bernie, not Bernie McGurk, God rest his soul, my great partner. He was talking about Bernie Carrick, who was in the audience. And then the really the, the person who got the most love out of Trump was Ina Vernikov, our local councilwoman out of Brooklyn. Turns out Ina, who looked really great, too, she had this beautiful dress on, a white and blue dress, the Israeli colors, with the Israeli flag on it, which I guess she made by herself. It looked beautiful. So he calls out Vicky Palladino, all the New York folks that got wins because He's starting to think, Trump, that we can really win New York. We, I mean, we, that he can really win New York. So he calls out, oh, Vicky Palladino won by 20 points. How about Ina Vernikov? Where's Ina? Where's Ina? And he calls her up on stage. I mean, she, he made all these mentions, Matt Gates, Steve Bannon, Rudy Giuliani, Sid Rosenberg. But the only person he called up on stage was Ina. And she goes up on stage with this big, beautiful dress with the Israeli flag. And um, he says a couple of nice things about her, and she was, she couldn't breathe. She must have texted me until about 2 o'clock on Sunday morning ten times. She was so excited, and it was nice. And uh, the speech was over. About 65 minutes later, he came back to his seat, said his goodbyes, gave me another hug on the way out, and that was it. The president of the United States, and soon to be hopefully president again, number 47, rocked. New York City on Saturday night. It was just an unbelievable event. And I do need to thank Thomas Kniff, 
Of course, uh, the great attorney who is right now representing Daniel Penny, the hero Marine on the train. He uh, also in the, uh, a war veteran, just a terrific guy, because he's the one who made me aware of this last week. I had no idea Trump was going to be here. He said, Sid, are you coming Saturday? I'm like, coming to what? And then I reached out to the uh, the folks, and they were all too happy that I wanted to come. And now there you have it. Looks like I have a nice relationship with the New York Young Republicans Club, which is a big deal because clearly Donald Trump loves those guys. And look, uh, Trump is uh, surging again in the polls. If you're watching the news this morning, I believe CNN has been stuck for the first 15 minutes on the fact that Trump is now winning in Georgia and Michigan. Folks, he's winning in Georgia. Do you understand he's on trial in Georgia? His freedom is on the line in Georgia, and he's winning. What does that tell you, Noam Layden? It's not good news for the Democrats. Damn right it's not. So he's still here today. He's got to uh, go to court again. And we kept hearing all last week that Trump was going to testify now, don't forget, he did initially testify when they first announced the case. He has not testified since. I did not think it was a great idea for him to testify. Maybe Alina Haba, who was there on Saturday, talked him out of it. I don't know. I know that um, one of his uh, most powerful attorneys, my dear friend of 46 years, Joseph Takapina, will join us at 840 this morning. We'll get his take. But I didn't think uh, Trump testifying was a very good idea in the first place, and now Trump put on his uh, Truth Social yesterday that he's not going to testify, which, again, makes me happy. Any thoughts on that, Noam? Yeah, probably not a good idea. I don't know where the trial stands, if they think they're going to win this or what, but clearly either he or the lawyer said, you know what, we don't need you on Monday, so he's not going to be there. Not going to be there. So once again, I know it was in the open, but uh, it's worth playing at least 100 times today. Let's go back to that epic Donald Trump speech Saturday night at Cipriani's, when uh, right in the middle, he's talking about a whole bunch of stuff. Now, you can't see it because it's audio. If you actually watch the video, he points right at me. And uh, I guess there's a network, I knew nothing about this, that covers every Donald Trump speech. Make up Maureen, Maureen Walsh from Newsmax made me aware of this. And a few others are like, I'm watching this speech, I hope I see you. And I started getting texts on Saturday night, oh, my God, there you are. Wearing a tuxedo, looking great. They're watching the speech on uh, some network. I think it's called RSBN. Is that right, Noam? Never heard of that one. Yeah, that's where they carry. That's where you saw it. All uh, the uh, all of his speeches are there. I yeah, believe. The, you know what? Everybody had the whole text of the speech because you know, anytime he speaks, people want to see it. So right. I can't remember where I got it, but I've, I've never heard of them. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. I think anyway. Here it is, Lewis. This is cut number fourteen. The two times during his epic speech that President Donald Trump finds a way to point me out and mention me twice. I could be indictment-proof right now, you know? I don't think they can do it, Sid. I don't think they can do it. (laughs) But they stopped it. They heard about it. I think they sent their biggest people. Don't do it! Local DAs, all controlled by the White House. And they think that the threat to democracy... And that's what it is. It's a hoax. It's a new... We call it now the threat to democracy hoax. (laughs) That's what it is. These guys are so good with misinformation, disinformation. It's a slight difference, you know. You know that, Sid, right? There's a slight difference. If you want, we can talk about it, but let's not bore the audience. We can talk about it, but it'll be boring. And he points right at me. I'm sitting right there. You saw that, right? 
When you can't make it up, it was it was great. So I bitched and complained for days, too, leading up to this great event about wearing a tux. Because I don't like tuxedos. And I don't think men look particularly good in tuxedos. But I was told by Gavin, well, that's great, but then you can't come. Doesn't matter how big you are. Number one, we don't care. If Trump is going to wear a tux, you're going to wear a tux. So I panicked, of course, and I called Joe Abood, and I called... My good buddy Anthony at the garage in Brooklyn, and sure enough, Anthony at the garage in Brooklyn carries these beautiful tuxedos. So I went there, and um, I actually uh, bought myself a tuxedo and a tie and the studs and the cufflinks and a pair of shoes. So once again, I need to thank Anthony at the garage in Brooklyn. That is a legendary store. I told you this before. I must have been nine years old. When my dad, God rest his soul, Harvey, was still alive, and the very first, uh, the very first suit he ever bought for me, the very first suit my dad ever bought for me, now I'm going back close to 50 years, was at the garage in Brooklyn. So to get my tuxedo for this event to see Trump, and my father loved Trump. He loved him. Not just when he was president, but all the years in New York, he loved him. Probably had my dad smiling because Anthony came up big. And then Danielle decided, usually she does her own makeup, you know, and she's beautiful. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. She's gorgeous. But she decided, you know what, let's get some uh, makeup done. So there's a young lady named Amanda. She goes by Bareface Amanda on intern- on uh, Instagram. And her father, Joe, her father, Joe, listens to me every day, loves this show, loves it. So she had reached out to me before. Listen, if Danielle needs any glam, I'm available. And she's beautiful. You go to many events. Just reach out. Like a year ago, I never did. And uh, I did finally on Saturday. She came to the house. They live in City Island. She came to the house, spent about 60 minutes with Danielle doing her makeup before we left. And uh, as you can see by the pictures of me and Danielle on my pages, it came out awesome. So I want to thank uh, Amanda, Bareface, B-E-A-R, Bareface Amanda on Instagram. Pretty affordable, too, like 300 bucks, And uh, does the makeup deal. And I'm telling you, folks, a tremendous job. And Joe loves the show, so thank you for that. So we're all set between Anthony getting uh, my tuxedo done, Amanda doing Danielle's makeup. We were good to go. A glamour couple. Some said the most powerful couple in the building, which is tough because you had Matt and Ginger Gates. That is a powerful couple. She's also a very attractive uh, young woman. And uh, Matt had probably, after Trump, the speech of the night. I mean, he rocked it. You a big uh, Matt Gates fan? Know him? Doesn't get any bigger. Really? Mm-hmm. You're the president of the Matt Gates fan I, club? Uh, you know, I didn't want you to expose, but yes, <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah. I never knew that. See, what's funny is I never really had anything for Gates Thought he had nothing for me, banning all these guys at that table. And then Andrew Giuliani kept telling me last week, Andrew was my v, was my um, MVP, my MVP. Everybody who walked over, this is Sid, he's got the best show in America, number one in New York. You talk about a PR guy. Andrew Giuliani was amazing. And he kept telling me, Sid, these guys love you. I go, they don't love me. Just, will you stop? And I walk over to Steve Bannon. True story. And I go, hey, Steve, I'm Sid Rosenberg. He goes, I know who you are. He goes, I love you. Now, I don't expect Steve Bannon. That's the exact words he said. Steve Bannon to say, I love you. He goes, I love you. You got the best show. He goes, I actually talked to John Katzmatidis and told him, you've got one great show at the station, one great show. That's it. I said, come on. He said, I swear to God. He goes, you're great. I love you. I listen every day. 
And uh, to prove it, at 8.15 this morning, Steve Bannon makes his debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning. How about that? So it was uh, an epic night. It was great. Clearly, I'm in the inner circle now. In fact, there's a big fundraiser at Mar-a-Lago on Feb 16, and I think I'm going to that. So we, uh, we'll hear from the president, I think, on this show, if not next week, then the very first week of 2024. But I do want to thank Donald Trump for really being uh, just a terrific guy, terrific guy to me, my wife, everybody on Saturday night. That was a heck of a lot of fun. So we got a big show, big, big Monday show about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, the aforementioned Steve Bannon, Joe Takapina, Alex Trayman, live from Israel. Hamas is threatening to kill all the hostages. And Ina Vernikov as well. It's a Monster Monday show with Sid and Friends in the morning. It's rainy outside. It's sunny inside. Keep it right here. In the morning, 77 WABC. Monday morning. Also want to say uh, nice seeing Mary Glynn. Mary Glynn was there from uh, Rockaway. She runs the Rockaway Republican Club. Uh, So Mary Glynn was there. Margaret Powers was there. Margaret Powers is married to Paul King. And uh, Paul King, you may remember, was on uh, last week. He is actually running against Gregory Meeks again in 2024 in Queens. And uh, Margaret and Mary, who went to high school together, all the way uh, back in Rockway, were there together. And uh, Anthony was there, too, from Alt Flags. My buddy Anthony, who makes those uh, beautiful flags, he's made me two of them already. One, the United States, the American flag, and the other one, half America, half Israel. 
He was there too, and he's uh, he's selling these flags like hotcakes, and they make a great Hanukkah uh, tonight. Of course, night five, still four nights left, and Christmas gift. Anthony at uh, at all flags, and you know uh, it is RSBN Right Side Business Network. According to my friend Randall Cole on Instagram, big listener, it is RSBN. That's where people watched it. And uh, Noam, you did too. And you were just saying at the break how surreal you find it. Because don't forget, when Trump first ran against Hillary, I fought for a year with Bernard. We fought literally back and forth for a year. Bernie was a Trump guy. I wasn't, you know. And uh, I made it very, very clear, very clear to Trump when he joined me and Bernie all the way back in 2017 that I was not a big fan. And I didn't vote for him. And the amount of respect I garnered that day from Trump, it was almost like, no disrespect to Bernie, but it was one thing to love Trump every second of the way. As soon as he came down the escalator, it was another to go from a guy that didn't like Trump to a guy that loved him. And he must have brought up twice during the interview, how great is that, Bernie? We got him, you know. But even after that, it wasn't like me and Trump talked. I mean, we couldn't get him back on the air. Bernie tried. He couldn't do it. And um, when I took over the show, basically when Bernard died... I uh, went over, I went out and uh, made it my business to try to get it done. Even that, though, was because of Joseph Takapina. My dear friend of 46 years will join us at 840 this morning. Takapina represents Donald Trump on two of his cases. He was going down to Mar-a-Lago. He asked me if it was a good idea. I said, of course it is. And that first night that he met Trump at dinner, he brought me up. And he said, my buddy Sid, number one in New York, he loves you. Trump's like, I know Sid for 25 years. I love him, too. And that kind of started this whole relationship. Then I'm talking to Steve Chung. Then I'm talking to Boris Epstein. Then I get very, very close now with Sergio Gore. And bang, here we are, sitting with Donald Trump, taking pictures with Donald Trump. And Trump mentioned me twice during his epic speech in New York on Saturday night. Pretty surreal, huh, Noam? You know, I was cracking up watching it yesterday, i got to be honest. Because I was thinking six months ago... It was a totally different story. I mean, he wouldn't have been mentioning you six months ago. And there he was. He's, he's actually pointing at you yes. as he mentions you. Yeah. And I just was sitting here smiling as I was watching it. It was awesome. He pointed right at me. Sid, he said it twice. So it's my guy, Donnie. Uh, also Saturday night, uh, Giselle Tavares, who actually represented Alaska here in the United States, Miss Brazil. She was, uh, she was there. Very, very fervent and enthusiastic Trump supporter. Took some pictures with her, too. She was, um, she was terrific. And it was just a, uh, just a great crowd. It really was. It was a very, very lively and happy and excited crowd. And people looking forward to hopefully fixing all the problems here in the United States. And we've got a ton of them. We've got a ton of them. So anyway, we've got uh, Curtis Sliwa again stopping by at 710, 7.40 today. Brian Kilmeade, which Larry will join us tomorrow. Coming up at 8.15, Trump's right-hand man, Steve Bannon. Joseph Takapina at 8.40. Alex Trayman live from Israel coming up at 9.15. And at 9.30, we'll talk to Congresswoman Ina Vernikov, who Trump made a very big deal of on stage on Saturday night with her beautiful homemade dress with the Israeli flag. Traffic with Joe Nolan coming up next. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to my main man, my guy John Katsimatidis. It's the Cats Roundtable where common sense 
always prevails. Always telling both sides of the story every Sunday morning starting at 8 or listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here John talks with former Prime Minister of Canada, Stephen Harper. What is today is uh, Stephen Harper, the former Prime Minister of Canada. What have you been doing? I mostly travel the world on business. I, I have a number of uh, business interests. I run a consulting and investment a business um, based in Canada, investment business uh, specifically. I'm chairman of a group called Vision One based in Miami. But I do have some political interests for both business and political reasons. I was recently in the Gulf. I was supposed to be in Israel, but, but had to cancel that trip for obvious reasons. This is Sid on Sports. Oh my Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontechless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. We will begin on the gridiron at MetLife yesterday afternoon with the Jets. They did run a rough shot on uh, that young star, C.J. Stroud, and his Houston Texans winning at home by a score of 30-6 to behind a somewhat resurgent performance from quarterback Zach Wilson. Well, he's fine. The defense was amazing. They almost killed that poor kid. They, they knocked him yeah. out of the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, he's left with a concussion, so I'll have to keep you updated on uh, C.J. Stroud. He's having a great year. You know. Oh, amazing year. Yeah. They said he could win at one point Rookie of the Year and MVP, but... Right. The Jets rocked his world last night. They My really, God. They really did. But that honestly, that secondary and that defense as a whole has rocked uh, all, a number of very good quarterbacks' worlds this season. So it hasn't been the defense that uh, that has been the Jets' downfall. But Wilson was, again, somewhat resurgent last night through a pair of uh, second-half touchdown passes in his return from a two-game benching. And the Jets ended a five-game losing streak with, with the win in the process. Zach was uh, 27 of 36 for 301 yards, his third career game of 300 yards or more as Gang Green improves to 5-8 and eight overall with the win. As for the now 7-6 and six Houston sideline, again, we'll give you an update on C.J. Stroud. He is now in concussion protocol. Tonight at MetLife, the 4-8 and eight Giants will be part of the Monday Night Football doubleheader. That'll wrap up Week 14 action. The 6-6 six and six Green Bay Packers are in town for an 8-15 p.m. kickoff. That sees the G-Men as current six-point underdogs in Miami. The 9-3 and three Dolphins will welcome in the 4-8 and eight Tennessee Titans for an 8-15 p.m. kickoff as well. The Dolphins uh, head into that one as big 13.5 point home favorites. Over to the ice at the Garden, where Mika Zibanejad and Jimmy Vc scored second period goals. Jonathan Quick made 25 saves against his former team, and the Rangers down the Los Angeles Kings 4-1 last night. In Edmonton, things didn't fare as well for the Devils, who lost 4-1 after running into the buzzsaw. There's currently the Oilers, who have now won seven straight. Tonight, the Islanders are back in action at home against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Puck drop there, scheduled for 7 p.m. Tonight on the Hardwood, regular season NBA action continues after the Lakers secured the first NBA in-season tournament championship cup on Saturday night with their 123-109 win over the Indiana Pacers at the Garden. The Knicks get set to welcome in the Toronto Raptors for a 7.30 p.m. tip-off before the Nets take on the Kings in Sacramento later on at 10 p.m. And over the weekend as well, big news out of the uh, Major League Baseball. Shohei Otani is a Los Angeles Dodger at least for the next 10 years. He will make 700 million big ones over a 10-year span. That's sports sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to peerlessboilers.com, paviliontankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers. And I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC.
If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at at info at gobblelaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. So this is a mandolin rain necessarily this morning, but it's a driving rain. It is uh, duty outside, duty. So be careful, 647 as we start the new week here, folks. We are uh, getting real close to Christmas two weeks from today. In fact, including today, I'm down to the last 10 shows. We are down, I should say. Me, Lewis, Noam, Justin, Joe Nolan, Curtis. We are down to the last 10 shows of 2023, and boys, it's been a banner year. Banner year. I mean, I, I see it now firsthand, guys. <laughs> when Steve Bannon says to me, you got the best show in the country, I'm like, come on. So we, uh, we're we going to have an exciting 2024. we got some great trips planned, hopefully shows in Israel in January and Mar-a-Lago in February, maybe Vegas at the Super Bowl in February. I don't know yet, but we're going to have a great, great year. So 10 more shows, two weeks from today is Christmas. That, by the way, Bruce Hornsby and the range, mandolin rain. So we've got a bunch of great guests, again, uh, stopping by today. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, Steve Bannon, Joe Tacopina, Alex Trayman, and Ina Vernikov, all stopping by. But the other story I wanted to get to in the first hour 
was the anti-Semitism on the college campuses. And Trump also thanked Elise Stefanik, as he should, the great congresswoman out of New York, for the job she did just taking a part, Senator, taking apart these uh, three Ivy League presidents, Harvard, MIT, and Penn. It turns out that uh, Liz McGill, who was the president at Penn, took such a beating, such a beating from Elise and sounded so pro-Hamas and so disgusting that she had to resign. Now, she's getting paid, which sucks, but she had to resign. But right before she resigned, I think she started to feel some of the pressure because she made this apology. It didn't help her. She go. But this is UP President McGill right before she was axed. Cut number five, Lewis. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies. Sure you were. Aligned with the U.S. Constitution. Sure. Which say that speech alone is not punishable. Right. I was not focused on, but I should have been. The irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. It's evil, plain and simple. I want to be clear. A call for genocide of Jewish people is threatening, deeply so. It is intentionally meant to terrify a people who have been subjected to pogroms and hatred for centuries and were the victims of mass genocide in the Holocaust. In my view, it would be harassment or intimidation. For decades, under multiple Penn presidents and consistent with most universities, Penn's policies have been guided by the Constitution and the law. In today's world, where we are seeing signs of hate proliferating across our campus and our world in a way not seen in years, these policies need to be clarified and evaluated. Penn must initiate a serious and careful look at our policies. And Provost Jackson and I will immediately convene a process to do so. (laughs) As president, I'm committed to a safe, secure, and supportive environment so all members of our community can thrive. We can and we will get this right. Thank you. So I'm listening to this. I'm saying to myself, you stupid douchebag. Because that's what you are. You're just a stupid douchebag. If you would have said that to Stefanik in D.C., not only would you still be working today, you'd be a hero to people like me. You'd be a hero. That's all she had to say. And by the way, that's easy. That's easy to say a bunch of people that went into a private, quiet community and cut babies' heads off and raped their daughters and killed their mothers and fathers, cut the eyes out of their little brothers. That's easy to say they're no good. And, of course, it's genocide. But this anti-Semite witch decided when the cameras were on, she was going to show her true Jew hatred. So what she said there, while accurate, she would have said that, Noam Layden, she'd still be working. 
You know, the amazing thing is that they prepped for that congressional hearing. Lots of people sitting down trying to figure out what she would say. And that's what they came up with, (laughs) the things that she said in Congress. And, you know, it's like all legal speak. And how could you not? I mean, it is amazing. But, you know, the thing said that maybe bothers me almost more than that is I don't think the board of trustees made a decision based on what she said in Congress that seemed completely anti-Semitic. No, it was money. It was all money. All money. It was that $100 million donation that was going to be pulled away. And they said this president is not worth $100 million. So they got rid of her. Listen, folks, and Noam just pointed it out. It's a lesson you should all know. Every controversy, every issue that may or may not end the way you think it should all comes down to one thing, money. That's it. Noam's point is 1,000% right. If those donors would have stuck around, it wouldn't have mattered. If WFAN doesn't lose advertisers, which they did, Imus can call the Rutgers basketball team whatever he wants. You lose advertisers, you lose donors, you lose money, you out. As great as this show is, and I think right now this show has distinguished himself, itself I should say, as far and away the best talk show in New York, it's not even close. As great as it is, if I start losing advertisers one by one by one, I'll be back in Boca in three months. Just the way it goes. It's all about following the money. Noam You're exactly right. So today, there's going to be a meeting at Harvard to um, figure out that president's future. Look, it's very simple. All three have to go. All three presidents, MIT was the worst of the bunch. MIT, Pennsylvania, Harvard had an opportunity in D.C. to come off human and make us feel like we've got a chance. And all three failed miserably. And when they fire all three... Or resign, whatever they say. Then you got to go to New York. I know, for example, my dear friend, the Nassau County Executive, Bruce Blakeman, trying to get the Hofstra president out. She needs to be out. NYU, Columbia, all these schools. Once you start it, there should be a nice little domino effect and take out all these anti-Semites. Now it's started. McGill is out in Pennsylvania. Let's run the table. Right, no? Yeah, well, the fact that they're having a meeting at Harvard, that's not that doesn't bode well for the president. I don't think so either. So let's hope that uh, she's next. And as I said, the guillotine continues. The number is always 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Six great guests on this program today. We kick it off coming up in about 20 minutes with the man, the legend, the icon, Curtis Saliwa. Keep it right here Monday morning with Sid. In the morning. For my friends. 77 WABC.
77 WABC listeners, listen up. Here's your chance to win tickets before you can even buy them. See Sticks, the great John Waite, and this terrific band, Foreigner. Waiting for a girl like you. I love Foreigner. It's all coming up July the 23rd this summer at PNC Bank Art Center. So many hits all in one night. Three amazing acts. Be caller number six right now at 1-800-848-9222. And win your way into PNC Bank Art Center for Sticks, John Waite, and this great group, Foreigner. Once again, it comes up July the 23rd. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Call the number six right now. Tickets are also on sale at LiveNation.com. That's a great show. We're going to go to that, Lou. Play Missing You Later by John Waite, too. Foreigner Sticks and uh, John Waite. And, um... I think you, 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 and, uh, you and MJ are going to come with me and Danielle, too, next Thursday night to the Stephen Van Zandt Policeman's Ball. I'm being honored that night. It's a, it's a huge honor. They're honoring me and Ron Duguay. But I have to tell you, I'm still on the uh, Donald Trump cloud nine this morning. I I mean, I love that guy. I told him I loved him. I, I sat next to him. I said, I love you. And he said, thank you very much. He said, you're a great guy. He said, I love you, man. I love you. And I do. I mean, he's just said he's... He's such a, um, I know it sounds crazy, but he's a billionaire. He's a president, maybe president twice. He's, um, he's got millions and millions of people that love him, at least 75 million. But he's such a regular guy. It's just, he's sitting next to me and we're just shooting the crap like I'm about to do with Curtis Sliwa. Curtis is great, too. Let, let, let's, come on, folks. Noon to one every weekday morning. He gets great ratings here. Does a tremendous job hosting overnights on the weekends. He's the only guest I've got that's on every day. In fact, I, I say now we're a six-man show. It's me, Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, Joe Nolan, and Curtis Sliwa. And he's on every day because he's great. Every day he's great. He's the icon. He's the legend. He's Mr. Guardian Angel himself. And um, hopefully, if I have any power, I'm going to make it happen. Hopefully, the next mayor of New York City, my dear friend Curtis Sliwa, good morning, Curtis. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what am I, John Havlicek, uh, best six man in uh, all of talk radio <laughs> on the number one show in America. Let's be clear, not in the tri-state area in America. But let me get down to this because I'm the only one who will pimp slap you around and let you know when you're, you're off the beam. Here it is. You had a very dear friend in South Carolina, Nancy Mace. Oh, right? I, just, I just spoke to her on uh, on Saturday, Nancy Mace, for like twenty minutes. She's going through some very difficult times. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So uh, she has. She's having surus. Before you knew Matt Gates, before you knew Steve Bannon, yeah, Nancy Mace was there for you through thick and thin. That's right. There's a woman who worked at the Waffle House. I love the Waffle <laughs> House. Right? Nobody has teeth in the Waffle House. Is that true? Did she work at the Waffle House? Yes, she worked. At, yeah, I know more about her than you do. Uh, now, now, of course, she's the pride of Charleston, South Carolina, and a very proud congresswoman. And what's funny is, you know, she was there before Matt Gates. She was one of the, as uh, Newt Gingrich called them, one of the traitor eight that voted to kick out Kevin McCarthy. And I was furious with Nancy. In fact, we stopped talking for a good month. 
And I blamed it on Matt Gates. What and- a fair weather <laughs> friend you are. Knives are out there. And the architect of that was not Matt Gates. Who was it? It's the guy you're having on in the 8 o'clock hour from the war room, oh, Steve Bannon. Oh, I love Steve Oh, now Bannon. you love him. Oh, my Steve God, I has, love him. has mastered what everybody knows out there. Just go up to Sid and say, oh, I listen to you every day, Sid. You're the greatest radio guy of all time. If Pol Pot could do that, Stalin, <laughs> Hitler... You would love them, too. Admit it. Well, I mean, Stalin and Hitler may be a stretch, but not out of the question. Exactly. Not out of the question. And they know. They but, you know. Have to, but you have to add the second part. See, if you go, I listen to you every day, it's okay. But Bannon said, and I quote, I told Katsimatidis last week, you've got one great show. That's Sid. That's what he said. So well, when you take it a step further. He ain't going to say me because I'm his enemy, right? He <laughs> well, sure ain't going to say me. Well, do you guys know each other? No, but where's the, where's the money for that fake wall they were going to finish? Remember, they were going to finish the Trump wall. Uh, wall. That guy's going to be in jail for that. He scammed all the money, but you won't even mention that. No, because he, he didn't do that. Well, that's just not oh, true. Of course it's, not. He said, well, I listen just, to you every day. You're the best. None of this is true. I mean, none of this. You, you are too much, Sid. They know. And by the way, <laughs> Justin Ellick, I love the fact that the Eagles are crashing and burning. They were on their way to the Super Bowl. No doubt. Great team. And then... They kicked George Norcross out of his executive box at Eagles Stadium. Why? Because he put up an Israeli flag with an American flag in solidarity. A Jewish owner kicked out George Norcross, proud Jew from Camden County. Sid, you made a ruckus about that. I made a ruckus yes, about we that. Did. Yes, And notice the curse of Norcross is on the Eagles. They've crashed and burned now twice in a row. Yeah, I wonder if uh, it does date back to that. They've lost two in a row, but three out of four. They haven't looked good since then. And, and, and they took it on the chin from Dallas. Now, all of a sudden, you have a great three-team race atop the NFC with the 49ers, who won again yesterday, the Cowboys who blasted the Eagles. It is no longer, no longer written in stone that the Eagles are going to win the NFC. That is not done. Oh, and the curse of Taylor Swift on the Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, all of you out there said, oh, it's so good. More people are watching. All the Swifties. That's true. Look at what has happened to the Chiefs. They are falling apart. They are turning on one well, another. I mean, in all fairness, it looked like they won the game. Patrick Mahomes with the touchdown pass late to beat the Buffalo Bills. They called offsides on. on the offense. It's the, the curse of Taylor I Swift. Know, but did you see Mahomes go nuts? Of he course. went nuts. Of course. But you're right. Look, the last year's Super Bowl matchup, Philadelphia and Kansas City, both of those teams have hit some hard times here. So I'm just saying, don't be surprised if this year's Super Bowl, you ready for this? It's going to sound crazy. Dallas, Miami. Could well be. Roger Storback versus Bob Greasy. Oh. Troy Aikman versus oh. Dan oh. Marino. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh, Chris Christie is having orgasm there. Oh, he's got, no, he's got no shot in this Republican <laughs> primary. But all you got to do is mention the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, he goes nuts. And well, he was he, in the box of George Norcross yes. in Philadelphia when Norcross gets booted. And Chris Christie kept his mouth shut. Said nothing about it was against Dallas. Whenever Eagles play, he's with Jerry Jones all the time. This exactly. fat, stupid Chris Christie. Exactly. By the way, Donald Trump did make it his business during our conversation on Saturday to tell me that he does love the Curtis Sid segment the most on WA. Are you kidding? He hates my guts. You know that, Sid. If you had mentioned my name in that room at <laughs> Cipriani, yeah. he would have said, you and Danielle, you can go <laughs> back there into the kitchen. <laughs> Curtis, well, wait a second. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I, I remember. I think I didn't listen all the time like I do now. Now you become my favorite guy. Back then, you, I liked you, but I didn't love you. 
Uh, but I know you weren't very nice to Trump. It was very stupid, but that was you. Uh, so, so why does he not like you? What did you do exactly? We've had a love-hate relationship for 30 years. Is that right? On and off, on and off, on and off. Let's see how he does. Nikki Haley moving good. Stop it. Po- Stop it. If Stop there was it. a race against Joe Biden. There is no race. Stop doing You know, I had this conversation that's earlier. Why, that's why we need primaries. That's why we need debates. I mean, here's debates. The, I want to see here's debates. Here's the bottom line. You have to win the conference championship to get to the Super Bowl. I'm so tired of, you know, if the Chiefs win the AFC, the team with the best chance to beat them is a team that has no chance of going. You have to win the conference championship Let me tell you before you get to the Super Bowl. And the conference championship right now between Trump, Haley, and DeSantis is not even competitive. Forget about a close game. Look, look, so you can't get to the Super Bowl without beating Trump first. I like DeSantis, but, you know, the numbers don't lie. In our business, the numbers don't lie when we get our ratings. You certainly let the whole world know <laughs> how well you're doing, and rightfully so. It's tough. But when the numbers are bad... Hey, the numbers don't lie. Everybody likes, oh, no, you know. It, it, look, my guy was at Santis. Haley's doing very well. I want to see debates. Trump is an excellent debater. He would never have risen to be the Republican presidential nominee in 2016 without those debates. That's true. So let's have debates. We know that Biden isn't going to debate because he won't even be able to get out of the closet in order to get on the stage. Somebody's going to have to guide him by the arm. Well, let me ask you this, then, uh, yes. what you just said about Biden. Because, again, you and Trump have not uh, been great. But if Trump, in fact, does run against Biden again, and a lot of folks, including Trump, are on record saying they don't think Joe Biden makes it. But let's say it does happen again. Yes. Trump versus Biden. Who does Curtis vote for? I got to look at third-party candidates. I got to look at third-party candidates. Don't waste my time with that. You got kids dying in caves in Afghanistan for you to vote for for uh, for some putz out of West Virginia. What's the matter with you? Uh, my, what, what, what do you mean? mean? What do you want John Anderson to come well, back? Wait a oh, John Anderson. That's right. Remember that was the great Ronald Reagan who beat Jimmy Carter back then. And you know how Jimmy Carter lost? He refused to show up on the debate stage in Baltimore. There was Reagan. There was John Anderson. And people said, "Wow." Ronald Reagan isn't as crazy as they made him out to be. Debates. I want to see Trump debate, whether it's Nikki Haley, DeSantis. No, no it's not going to happen. Oh, excuse me. What? He, he, will, he will debate the Democrat nominee and destroy them and win the presidency well, well, again. Let's go on to this, something we can agree on. Yes. You and I must put together a coalition to stop Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo. There is a movement now to have him become the mayor of the city of New York. You well, and you, I, you know, you broke this story, and I've given you credit everywhere. Thank this you. poll that you, know, you did, poll came out last week where, again, in a hypothetical election today between former Governor Andrew Cuomo and current Mayor Eric Adams, Cuomo wins that by 20-plus points. Kills it's him. not even close. Now, again, you're going to say, well, if he runs against Gillibrand, listen, keep him at if he runs against Adams, he beats him by 20-plus. How do you want I stop that? Look, he wants to be mayor. He wants to have two notches on his belt, destroying New York State and then destroying New York City. Now, do you know this for a fact that he I wants to be mayor? I know this for a fact. Right. He had an interview yesterday with Cindy Adams. You know, uh, Cindy Adams actually makes him sound somewhat human. Because remember, he's been on with John Katzmatidis twice. Crashed and burned. Rita Cosby crashed and burned. He was on with the real estate lady... Uh, I keep forgetting her name. Crashed and burned. And then maybe the worst talk show that we ever heard, you have to admit this, your friend Scaramucci, the uh, Schifosa, and Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo, the Sfacin, two hours, the worst talk radio I ever heard, the only time he sounds human. 
It's when he's on with Cindy Adams. And well, he, human, she calls him sweetheart. Oh, wait, and, I wait, mean, wait. come on, Cindy. I, I, on the Rip and Read, I'm going to play cuts from that interview. That was a great interview because he revealed. You remember, he always keeps things so close to the vest. With Cindy Adams, he revealed what his true intentions are. I'm telling you, Sid, this has got to be our new cause. You, me, Janice Dean, everybody out there who hates Cuomo. Uh, Jennifer Harrison. Exactly. Victims rights. we got to put together a coalition and say we must stop Andrew Evil Eyes Cuomo. He destroyed New York State. He wants to now destroy New York City. Well, how can you destroy New York City if, according to you, it's already destroyed? <laughs> I've never seen Curtis stopped in his tracks like just now. How could he possibly destroy New York City if Bill de Blasio and your good friend Eric Adams haven't done it already? That is a very good point. <laughs> but meantime, you want to know destruction? So I'm out Saturday night with my youngest son, Hunter, right? Oh, it's it Hanukkah. He's going to be bar mitzvah on yes. March 2nd. They're going to let me up at the Beamer or whatever they well, call it. Wait that. a second. What, when's his bar mitzvah? Uh, March 2nd. Oh, that's awesome. I'm going to be up there. But anyway, we're walking around here because I had to do the evening program. And all of a sudden, Sandy Khan. All these white crazy people drunk, projectile vomiting. Oh, Sandy Claus is fighting. Aye. Hunter says to me, Daddy, Daddy, are you going to stop Santa Claus from fighting? They're fighting one another. I said, no, let them kill each other. I don't want them in my city. Go to Hoboken. Next Saturday, they're in the, the crawl that leads to brawls in all the pubs. It's only one square mile. The city of Frank Sinatra, right? Let them kill each other. You know, it's, it's the one time, no, actually, two times of the year when black and Hispanic people have a smile on their face yeah. because cops are doing stop and frisk on white people. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day and Santa you are right about that. But I hate that quote. So by, by the way, it was... They uh, got to stop it. They got to stop oh, that. Oh, yeah. It was the birthday of my oldest son, Anthony. He's now 20 years old. Oh, man. It was it was Aww. a good, good weekend. Happy but, birthday, Anthony. Well, now talking about your son, Carter's Bar Mitzvah. You know, coming up this no, Wednesday... No, no, no. Carter was already Bar Hunter, Mitzvah. Hunter, Hunter, right. Hunter, Hunter, let's Hunter. get it right. Right. So coming up this Wednesday, I've been bestowed this amazing honor again by our dear mutual friend, John Katz, and Margot, love them both, and uh, Rabbi Butman. Every year now, this will be the third consecutive year, they uh, bring me to the, uh, the Plaza Hotel, Fifth Avenue, and we light the world's biggest menorah. It's a huge honor. It's coming up this Wednesday night. I think it'll be at that point. We're talking about night uh, seven of the eight crazy nights. And I want you to come because you've got Jewish kids. You love the Jewish people. Uh, you and I together, together, right after that horrendous, horrendous time at Cooper Union, just outside of NYU, you were out there with me on a rainy Sunday uh, at that rally, speaking on behalf of the Jews. And also, I believe that this year I need more protection. Yes. Michael Kemper, the NYPD, Dom, you know, John, security guy, not enough. I need guardian angels. Yeah, yeah, maybe the maybe Kemper will have the robot out there, you know, <laughs> the, the transit police robot. I tell you this, I don't really like Hanukkah because my two sons who are Jewish shake me down every day Come of Hanukkah. On. They, they want eight gift. gifts. They want eight gifts, and then they say, Daddy, don't forget Christmas. I said, wait a second, Christmas too? Yeah, yeah, see, we benefit. We, we celebrate Hanukkah and we celebrate Christmas. Come on already, but I'm going to show up there. And Sid, if the uh, Hamas crazy show up, like they did the other day in Herald Square, they were circling the menorah. They were giving Jews a hard time, like sharks, like killer whales, you know, like orca. I am bringing with me something that I want to go up into the bucket with you. 
Because just in case they're surrounding us at the Plaza Hotel, I'm going to have the VO5 hairspray <laughs> in my pocket. And I'm going to say, hey, Shmooley Bootman, Butman, uh, give me that torch for a second. And then I'm going to just spray that VO5, oh and it's going to be like a flamethrower. That's what we used to do as kids, remember? Of course. I mean, you have the lighter, you it's have kind the of, VO5, and you, you'd have a flamethrower. It's kind of similar, I guess, what happened... Um, with Michael Jackson when he was doing his hair, and Richard Pryor when he was trying to smoke crack. Yeah, he was ba- a bass head. He was free bass head. <laughs> Why did you have to mention that pedophile on a pedestal and ruin my morning, Michael Jackson? <laughs> oh, come on. He's still the greatest performer ever, in is he fact, not? In fact, long yeah. way, Lou Rufino, please tell your gal pal for life. She's got to change the first two letters of her name, MJ, because it reminds me of Michael Jackson. That's funny. That pedophile on a pedestal. That is funny. She is an MJ. You're right. MJ loves All right. So so in uh, in closing this unbelievable uh, great segment, you want to start a coalition. Yes. You want to shut down Andrew Cuomo in his attempt, which looks like it'll be successful, to win the next mayoral. Although, although, wait a second. He may win the primary over Eric Adams. But then he's got one more hurdle to overcome. <sighs> the I winner on the right, that would be you. How about this? Studio 77 right oh. here. You, Sid Rosenberg, you are the debate moderator. Just like Sean Hannity was with Gruesome Newsome and DeSantis, you're the debate moderator. Hey, Cuomo, I know you're listening in your compound out in Southampton with your brother Fredo and your late breaker Joe Pococo, who just finished six years for political corruption. Come into our house, the house of Sid and Curtis, and debate none of these softball interviews. What with Scaramucci, that's Skifosa, that's Fachim, like you know. Get into the pit, gloves off. Bare knuckle style. You kill thousands of people in the nursing home. You sign no bail. You were for legalized recreational use of marijuana. Look at the disaster of New York. You destroyed New York State. And now you want to come and put the last nail in the coffin of New York City over our dead bodies. accident trust gabo law personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time gabo law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you but don't take our word for it read their five-star reviews from former clients on google avo and facebook call gabo law today 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or Email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law. 
GaboLaw.com. GaboLaw, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. The greatest mayor oh, of all time. I got enough Rudy of that last Giuliani. night. My, my head is going to get too big. Sid and me. Honorable mentions by uh, the former president and soon to be president of the United States last night. The president mentioned me, me a number of times. Very, very nice about being such a very good mayor, he said. And, and then he mentioned Sid a couple of times. Snowman after my man Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor in the history of this country. Not just this city, does a great job on this station. 3 p.m. every weekday afternoon. You know, tonight at 7.30 is the White House Hanukkah party. And I don't know about you guys, but when I uh, think of Jew, I think of <laughs> Anthony Blinken and Joe Biden. I mean, does it get more guyisher than those guys? Oh, God. I mean, Trump... You know, I had to block a guy on Facebook yesterday. I put these great pictures of me and Trump up on my Facebook, Sid Rosenberg, my Instagram, which I compel you to follow, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney. And there's a guy down in Miami. I've known him for years. He was a pretty good fan of mine when I was in Miami and a pretty decent guy. His name is Woody Graber. And not once, not twice, but three times he referred to Trump as a Nazi on my Facebook page, on Instagram page. So now this morning I blocked the son of a bitch. But no explanation. I just blocked him because I'm just not going to deal with that. You know, Trump's daughter, who he loves dearly, Ivanka, married Jared Kushner. Jared Kushner, along with his father-in-law, put together the Abraham Accords. Jared Kushner is an Orthodox Jew. Ivanka converted their children Donald's grandchildren are Jews. He loves them. He's been to shul on the high holy days. Who the hell is Woody Graber to call him a Nazi? You know why? Because he's stupid. Because he goes back to that story in Charlottesville, Virginia, where the media lied. You know what Donald Trump did do that day? He did say there are good people on both sides. But you know what he said afterwards that the media leaves out? But not the Nazis. But they leave that out. All they play is good people on both sides. It took Jake Tapper, of all people, to come honest about that. Donald Trump, this guy moved the embassy to Jerusalem. Six presidents before him promised that and didn't do it. Recognized the Golan Heights as part of Israel. And what he didn't do, which Obama did all the time and Biden as well, is have pallets of cash delivered to Gaza for the Palestinians and Hamas at 3 o'clock in the morning. Don't call Donald Trump a Nazi, you stupid son of a bitch. It's just not true. So I blocked his ass. Well, don't think he'll be a happy returning customer. Have him. No, that's Tired what I of that nonsense. 
You too know him. I'm pissed at you now also. I don't know why. But What did I do? I don't know. You just... Exist. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you love Trump now, too, because you mentioned me, so... I, I have nothing bad to say about Donald Trump. And now now that he loves me and pointed me out twice, now you really like him, yeah. don't you? <laughs> he's, he's in stunned and disbelief. <laughs> That's really it. Well, so tonight's the big Hanukkah party at the White House, and I wasn't invited. <laughs> I guess, I'm just guessing about how Biden would handle that. <laughs> what do you mean? We, we, we well, got... first of all, who would he have call me? To invite me, would it be Joe himself? Oh, would it okay. be we Kamala? Jill, maybe Jill would call you. Well, if Joe called me, how would that go? Uh, if Joe called you, yeah, uh, a person who couldn't be here tonight would, <laughs> is my friend Bob Bobby Rosenberg. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bob, Bobby, stand up a second. Bobby, oh wait, he's not here. Well, at least I'm alive. I mean, last time he asked for the lady to stand up, she was killed in a car crash two months before. Yeah, and he asked a guy to stand up who couldn't stand up. He was actually. in a wheelchair. wheelchair. I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God love him. <laughs> yeah. Are there any uh, uh, impressive Jewish people? We know of all the anti-Semites, of course, uh, Elon Omar and uh, Rashida Tlaib and AOC, who again, again, looking for a ceasefire this weekend, upset we voted against it. Tough. Any decent Jews that I'm not uh, aware of in this cabinet? Anybody? Anybody? Hello? No? Um, uh-huh. Decent? I mean, just any Jews. I'll take a uh, lousy well, Jew. Kamala Harris's husband is Jewish. She's yeah. not officially in the cabinet, but... Well, she hates the Jews, though. Well, she's married to one. What does that mean? That's, like, yeah, I imagine she doesn't hate the Jews if she's married to well, one. Well, I guess that's fair. I don't know. Is that true? Is he Jewish? Yeah. Yeah, I still hate her. <laughs> didn't help. Didn't help at all. <laughs> do one thing. If she could do one thing. Just one thing? Yeah. It would be fine. All right, so we got uh, Brian Kilmeade coming up next. Curtis Sliwa knocked it out of the park. And then Steve Bannon, very excited about this, makes his debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning. He was great on Saturday night sitting at Trump's table. Bannon will come on at 8.15. Then we're going to talk uh, 8.40 to Joseph Takapina, one of Donald Trump's prized attorneys. We go live to Israel, back to Alex Trayman coming up at 9.15 because I guess Hamas came out yesterday and said, look, that's it, game over. If you don't meet our demands, we're going to kill the rest of the hostages. Is that right, Noam? Was that the um, the message from Hamas yesterday? That has been the message over the last couple of days. The negotiations are off. In fact, the prime minister of Qatar, who was pretty instrumental in getting the hostages that are out now, says that the talks have completely broken off. It's all over. Yeah. So who even knows if those hostages are alive? I mean, have they sent any videos or anything to, at the very least, let us know these people are alive? Anything? You know, the truth is we don't know because some of the stuff they try to put up on social media as a way to intimidate these families. Yeah. And usually they're yanked down before too many people see them. So we don't know if those videos are still being created or not. Yeah. Well, we'll talk to uh, Alex Trayman coming up at 9.15. Then one of the stars on Saturday night, she's the only person that President Trump called up on stage. And boy, did she have a beautiful dress on, a beautiful dress with the star of Israel. And that's uh, my very, very good friend, the councilwoman out of Brooklyn, Ina Vernikov. She'll be here today, too. And again, a special shout out to two ladies who live in my neighborhood, yours too, Lou. Two Rockaway ladies, ladies, I should say, been friends since high school. One is the actual head of the Rockaway 
Republican Party, Mary Glynn, and the other Margaret Powers is married to my dear friend Paul King, who once again will try it again a second time, run against Gregory Meeks out in Queens in 2024. Okay, 742, just ahead of Brian Kilmeade from Fox News. 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. I get by with a little help from my friends. Back here on Sid and Friends in the morning on this Monday, exactly two weeks away from Christmas. Christmas, two weeks from today, tonight, night five of Hanukkah. We light the menorah in the Rosenberg household every night. And, of course, you know the guy coming up after me, 10 a.m. every weekday morning here on WABC. Also a monster star at Fox News, where he does, of course, Fox and Friends in the morning and his own great show, One Nation, right after my buddy Mark Levin, 9 p.m. on Saturday nights. He's the man, the great Brian Kilmeade. Brian, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? And Sid, don't forget your favorite book, which is Teddy and Booker T, right? I do love that book, yes. I know you're doing a whole bunch of uh, book <laughs> signings. You did one on Long Island last week. I do love that book. Thank you. No, I know. I mean, I was just, I just got back. Uh, I got back from, where was I? Oh, I was in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. I was in Kentucky, and I began the weekend in Dayton. And I was going to see if you wanted to come, but it looks like you were booked up Saturday night, <laughs> all dressed up, a uh, big smile on your face with the former president of the United States that you've always believed would be the future president of the United States. Well, there's no doubt he was 45, he's going to be 47, and uh, of course Brian is talking about, which I've mentioned many times this morning, Gavin Wax's Young Republican Club, big gala at Cipriani's in, uh, in New York City on Saturday night, and yes, Donald Trump was in attendance, not just in attendance, but we sat back-to-back at dinner, we had a couple of great conversations, and during Trump's 65-minute speech, which was a great speech, he referred to me, mentioned my name two or three times. So we are now at the point we're actually really good buddies, like all kidding aside. He actually called me over during dinner. I'm sitting next to Danielle. He leans over. He goes, come here. And he calls me over. He goes, I got to tell you, you really are a great guy. I swear to God, Brian, just like that. Then we took pictures together, talked some more. Then he went up on stage and delivered a great 65-minute speech. But but the big news is is that he's killing in the polls, uh, again, the primary, that's over. Stop with DeSantis and Haley, it's over. And the question is, do you believe the polls that right now have Trump up double digits over Joe Biden? Yeah, l- listen to this. Uh, I don't know if you saw the CNN poll, but Georgia and Michigan, they just did. I don't know why they picked these two for registered voters. Trump is up 49-44 in Georgia which is a place where he is now fighting, you know, for his freedom because it's a criminal trial. And in Michigan, Trump is up 50 to 40. Both states he lost, as everybody knows, but won in 2016. So they went back and looked over it. And part of the reason is 
Uh, Joe Biden's got 35% approval rating in Michigan, 39% approval rating in Georgia. They have to have buyer's remorse there. Remember how insulting it was when they came out and said Jim Crow 2.0? And I said, really? All we're doing is getting rid of a few drop boxes and uh, getting rid of some crazy hours and drive-in voting, which is crazy. Without the pandemic, why are you voting? A family of five comes in in your Chevy Chevette and you sit there and hand in ballots? Can't be doing that. Everyone knew that was a lie, and I think that was insulting to a lot of people in Georgia. I think that's part of it, and I just think that fundamentally that is not a blue state. So we'll see. Joe Biden's approval rating at 37% overall. I mean, but here's the thing, and and you're not going to like this. Hypothetical matchup. Biden-Haley. Biden against Haley. 51-34. to 34. Trump wins by five. She wins by double digits, but she's not close to Trump right now. Right, I mean, nobody I, I, thinks I mean, she it, is. You know, I, I get so uh, frustrated. It's kind of like when you have, like, football and you go, well, the, 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 the team with the best chance to win the Super Bowl, you have to win the championship game first. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if Haley's up by 90 points. It doesn't matter if DeSantis is up by 60 points. You don't get to the Super Bowl unless you win the conference championship. And right now, that game is not competitive. That is true. But DeSantis is roughly one or two. Trump is four or five. And for her to be in double digits, I think is noteworthy. I don't get it. I, I don't I don't know if she gets it. Like, how could that be? I'm not a big fan. Backstabbed uh, Trump and walked out, basically. And I'm just not a big fan of Nikki Haley. But listen, <clears throat> not a big, uh, I got a little fun today. Not a huge Nikki Haley fan, but uh, good for her. It's not going to mean anything when Trump wins a primary, but, <laughs> but good for her. But I got to tell you, Brian, the more he spoke on Saturday night, he just makes sense. Forget about whether you like him, you don't like him, the criminal right. stuff, the, the tweets, all that nonsense over the years. You look at what Biden has done inside this country, inflation, strangling interest rates, the you know the border's the, uh, the worst. The border, the border's the, the worst. Right, the right. Start right there. The border, and then all these world wars. And he must have said five times, Brian, on Saturday night. Look, you're right. I'm friends with the guy from North Korea. I like the guy in China. I respect the guy in Russia. He goes. That's how you lead. You can't just get up every morning and go. I hate that guy. He's the enemy. And it worked for him, did it not? Well. The Russia hoax, everyone thinks it hurt Trump. You know what it really hurt? It hurt the country. Because I think, I think Vladimir Putin is the modern-day Stalin, no doubt about it. No question. So what you got to do with people like that is you have to watch him. You have to use leverage against him. But at the most part, you have to be able to deal with him. And every time Trump went to deal with Vladimir Putin on anything— Descartes saying collusion, look at these buddies, what did they do to flip the election— and after a while, in the beginning, I think the Russians liked it. They liked American in turmoil. They liked the, everyone thinking that they had something to do with the election. Then they realized they're being vastly overcharged and given way too much credit. They say, what are you talking about? I took out some Facebook ads. You know, we had some flash mobs, but we didn't tilt the election towards anyone. And at the beginning, they liked that praise. After a while, they go, wait a second. This is ridiculous. And it really hurt the country. And it further isolated the two countries. Now, keep in mind, Barack Obama was the one who just said, listen, I'm sorry about George Bush. Just show you what a great guy I am. I'm going to pull the missile defense out of Eastern Europe because I know that really bothers you. You know what he thought what that was? 
weakness. And he ran, he went right through Barack Obama for the next eight years, including taking portions of Georgia and portions of Ukraine. So that's what you need. You need strength everywhere. Uh, I love what the president did. His finest, his best decision was Iran. To go to go balls to the wall with Iran. I'm going to isolate you. We're going to if you even try to pursue our ships with your swift boats, we're taking them out. And he did shoot at him. They never did it again. And he isolated him and, and paved the ground for the Abraham Accords. And Kushner de- deserves so much credit for that. Mike Pompeo would say the same thing. This stuff worked. And what I think is happening, if CNN just closed the doors and had a meeting, and say, look, we make we have made Trump a joke. For the last five years, we made him evil, mostly for the last two. We, we painted this ugly picture and his poll numbers are getting better. Can we admit that we are missing the boat and nobody is listening and start treating him fairly? Don't even treat him good. Just treat him fairly. Like he said on Saturday night, you know, every time they indict me, my poll numbers go up. They figured out, stop indicting me. And to your point, uh, this is uh, CNN, MSNBC. These are verbal indictments. And you're right. If they were honest about it, they would come to the conclusion, the realistic conclusion, which is he's actually pretty good. You know, um, when you think about uh, Trump's ratings, uh, approval ratings, and Biden's down to 37%, then you take it locally. Curtis Sliwa on this show last week, I mean, early in the week, broke this major story where some poll had Andrew Cuomo nearly doubling Eric Adams in a hypothetical race for mayor last week. I mean, here's a guy that left the governorship in, uh, in shambles, right? I mean, you have people dying in nursing homes, bail reform. Supposedly, he touched a bunch of women who didn't want it. I mean, it couldn't end any uglier for Andrew Cuomo. And yet, yet, this poll last week had him doubling Mayor Eric Adams if the election was, I don't know, today. What does that say for the mayor, Brian Kilmeade, Eric Adams? A couple of things. In a way, Eric Adams, in by doing the right thing, is alienating himself from the Democratic base. He's saying, I can't afford this. Whatever you think, you know, sanctuary cities, you could work hard to get rid of it. Okay, got it. The whole uh, right to shelter, he's got to pound that every day. But he is saying it. He's calling out the Democratic Party. He's saying this is a federal issue that has broken down. He's saying, I can't afford this. He said, I went to Washington. I got the door slammed on my face. I made no progress. We get, and he's coming out and saying this. But by doing that, he's losing his liberal base, paving the way for a guy like Governor Cuomo to say, I'll come in and do a better job. I don't know how he's going to do that. Because he had an opportunity to take on Joe Biden. He had an opportunity to stand up on this illegal immigration. He said you have to have a heart. you got to put your hand out. That's who we are. We take your huddled masses. Yeah, we got a lot of huddled masses in every hotel in this city. And now we're telling <laughs> cops, don't go to the cop cadets. Don't go to the academy. Fire departments go lose a truck. We're cutting out of, uh, of the education division. Every, everything's, and we're still in the red. So by him speaking up and doing what we think is the right thing, he's losing popularity. But I think his problem is he's halfway in. Go all the way in doing the right thing and convince these people that he's making you're making your life better. Talk every day about getting rid of the sanctuary cities. Pressure the governor to do the same exact thing. Forget about getting a check from the federal government for housing. I don't want that. Just toss him out. 
Now we're offering incentives to get these people on a bus and get them out of here. There was a big story in the Daily News this, uh, today how we're just trying to make it clear we don't want you here, which is sound kind of mean, but we can't afford it. Is it are we for New Yorkers or are we for the United Nations in our streets and our hotels? We have to make the hard choice. New York first. That's it. So in closing here, Brian, Soto to the Yankees, Otani to the Dodgers. Yeah. Are we looking at a rematch of 1977-1978-1981 Yankee Los Angeles Dodger World Series? Well, let's see what the Yankees do with the, you know, we don't know these Japanese pitchers. We only know their reputations, but evidently the Yankees are going hard for this other guy. They they need to uh, to bolster their rotation. Sid, you know this better than anybody. Uh, the, the Mets, I don't know what they're doing, but they got to do something. Severino is not the answer. Well, no, but, but, worst this, pitcher but, Steve, in baseball. but Steve Cohen did go to Japan. You're talking about Yamamoto, and it uh, looks yeah. like the Mets may have the inside track even over the Yankees to get him. Now, of course, the Yankees still are the Yankees. They got Soto. They got a better chance to win, so who knows where the kid signs. But Cohen did make an attempt. He was in Japan just two weeks ago, and we'll see. But uh, either way, you're right. Both teams, the Mets and the Yankees, need to bolster their rotation. Now, the Dodgers, Otani's not going to pitch this year. He's going to hit 40 home runs and hit 300, but he's not going to pitch this year. Oh, I did not know that. He said he's not going to pitch? No, he's out. He's got uh, Tommy John. He uh, he injured himself during last season, so he will not pitch again until 2025. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's hard to imagine. I do remember, Sid, when we were first doing sports, People would make, I never forget this story. One day there'll be a $10 million player. <laughs> and remember that? I'll never forget it. And it could be Jose Canseco. And now we're looking at a $600, $700 million deal. And you're talking about $70 million a year. It's insane that that is, might actually work for the Dodgers. When you look at what they're going to do with licensing and what the Dodgers are going to be like in Japan now and... Uh, I guess when you look at the domestic attendance, let alone the wins, the problem is, and I know Stephen A. Smith got in trouble when he said it, he does not speak English. Right. And you need a guy that's going to sell the game. Michael Jordan sold the game. Aaron Judge can sell the game. You know, uh, Mike Trout can sell the game. When your best player maybe ever has made no effort to speak English, I think it's a problem. I agree with you. Now, the good news is they've still got guys like Mookie Betts and Freddie Re- Freeman. That is a ridiculous oh, Dodger great personality. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right about that, too. All right, so it's early in the week. We've got to wrap this up. It's only Monday. Do you start preparing for your great show, 9 p.m. on Saturday night on Fox News, One Nation? Or is it too early in the week? No, no. We meet every day at 1230. And this and today is going to be a little bit challenging. I'm doing Gutfeld and doing the five. Nice. And... Yeah, so, you know, we're trying to get the word out. I got two live shows, one in Michigan, one in uh, Pennsylvania. And uh, that's when you go on stage and do a little with you and Bill O'Reilly do. And just, but I'll talk about all my books and we'll have a good time. And so I got to get p- prepared for that. And then I finish with a flurry. And then I'm going to start Christmas shopping. Uh, for people, so it's, it's a crazy sprint uh, to the end. I know, uh, us too. We got uh, 10 more shows, nine more after today. We work Friday the 22nd, and then we come back in 2024. Uh, as always, Brian Kilmeade, you're the absolute best. I love you. We'll do this once more before the new right. year. So have a great week. But have a great show. Can I end with a question? 
Sure. I was invited to the WABC Christmas party. Should I go, or is that just we have to invite him? Hopefully he turns it down. Yeah, I think it's the latter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So I'll politely decline. Brian, I love you, pal. Have a great week. We'll do it again next week. You're terrific. Thank you. All right. Stay within yourself, Sid. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly will. There he is, the great Brian Kilmeade. Catch him after me right here on WABC, 10 a.m. every weekday morning. And, of course, Fox and Friends on Fox News and One Nation on Saturday nights. A lot more to come, including Steve Bannon. His debut on Sitting Friends in the Morning is coming up. Friends in the morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Now to the war between Israel and Hamas. The battle intensifying. Intense combat in the Gaza Strip. At the UN, a resolution for a ceasefire was vetoed by the United States, the only country to vote against it. Humanitarian organization Doctors Without Borders calling it a vote against humanity. But the U.S. defends its decision, pointing to a lack of condemnation for the horrific terror attack on October 7th, including the sexual violence unleashed by Hamas. The Israeli prime minister responding by saying he greatly appreciates the correct stance that the U.S. has taken. The University of Pennsylvania president, who had come under sharp criticism after her testimony on Capitol Hill on anti-Semitism, has resigned. She had declined to say that a call for genocide against Jews violated the university's code of conduct. Just days after her widely criticized testimony before Congress, embattled University of Pennsylvania President Liz McGill has voluntarily resigned, saying in a statement, it has been an honor to work with our faculty, students, staff, alumni, and community members to advance Penn's vital missions. Alongside the presidents of Harvard and MIT, responding to questions on anti-Semitism, it was this stunning exchange that prompted calls for her to resign. I am asking, specifically calling for the genocide of Jews, does that constitute bullying or harassment? If it is directed and severe or pervasive, it is harassment. So the answer is yes. It is a context-dependent decision, Congresswoman. We can report on a stark reversal for former President Donald Trump. He announced on his social media platform that he will not take the stand as the final defense witness tomorrow in his New York civil fraud trial. Trump already testified when the state presented its case. The New York Attorney General filed a $250 million lawsuit against Trump and his company, alleging they are liable for illegally inflating the value of Trump's properties for decades. Shohei Otani. The star pitcher, the star hitter, the superstar baseball player for the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim is now a Los Angeles Dodger. That brother, my Asian brother, the Asian sensation, that brother just signed a 10-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers for $700 million. Only in America, baby. Only in America. The greatest mayor oh, of all time. I got enough Rudy of that last Giuliani. night. My, my head is going to get too big. 
interested in the honorable mentions by uh, the former president and soon to be president of the United States last night. The president mentioned me, me a number of times, very, very nice about being such a very good mayor, he said. And, and then he mentioned Sid a couple of times. I could be indictment proof right now. You know, I don't think they can do it, Sid. I don't think they can do it. But they stopped it. They heard about it. I think they sent their biggest people. Don't do it. Local DAs, all controlled by the White House. And they think that the threat to democracy, and that's what it is, it's a hoax. It's a new, we call it now, the threat to democracy hoax. Because that's what it is. These guys are so good with misinformation, disinformation. It's a slight difference, you know. You know that's it, right? There is a slight difference. If you want, we can talk about it, but let's not bore the audience. Every time I think of you I always catch my breath And I'm still standing here And you're miles away And I'm wondering why you left And there's a storm that's raging Through my frozen heart tonight I hear your name in certain Great time. Wait, missing you right here. We're giving away tickets all morning and all week now for this great show, July, July the 23rd at the PNC Bank Art Center in New Jersey. How about this trio? Foreigner, Sticks, and this man right here, John Wait, missing you. So you heard that in the open. Had a bunch of stories there. The president from Pennsylvania, she's out now, Liz McGill. Harvard should be out today. We'll wait on MIT as well. The Hamas-Israeli war continues to uh, heat up. We'll talk to Alex Trayman live in Israel, coming up at about 9.15 this morning. But you heard cuts. Uh, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy was um, really treated very, very nicely, and of course he was, by my friend President Donald Trump on Saturday night at that gala at Cipriani's. He Went out of his way to mention Rudy time and time again, showing the loyalty and support and love he's got for America's greatest mayor. And then you actually heard the audio of Trump mentioning me twice. (laughs) I mean, you talk about surreal. A room of a thousand people at Cipriani's. Big time people. These are big time folks. Trump points to me twice, Sid. But I'm going to tell you this. As big as that was, the highlight of the night was Bannon. You know, Giuliani, Andrew Giuliani, who gets the MVP, he's my new PR guy. He's great. He's been telling me for weeks, Bannon loves you. I go, no way. He goes, Sid, I'm telling you. So I walk over to Steve. Before anybody was even there, it was very quiet. And he said, I don't know who you are, Sid. I love this show. You got the best show on the station. I told Katz Matidis, you're the uh, only great show he's got. You're great. I love you. And that was it. He had me right then and there. Like Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. So congratulations, Steve Bannon. You had me at hello. Good morning. Sid, thank you so much uh, for having me on. But no, the president's a huge fan. I'm a huge fan. He's got uh, a lot of huge fans. I keep saying the show should be uh, syndicated across the nation. Best, best morning show in the country. Oh, my God, Steve. That is, that is really, really huge coming from you. I, I really, really mean it. I'm, 
You said it on Saturday. You just said it again now to my huge audience this morning, and it means an awful lot to me. It really does. And look, the truth is you look back at the president's success in 2016 when he won, and even in 2020 when he uh, seemingly won there too, and none of that is possible. He'd be the first to admit it. None of that is possible without your help. I mean, you really put together a brilliant strategy and continue to now as he runs for a third time. How did that whole start, the whole Bannon-Trump friendship and now this uh, great uh, relationship? It really come from uh, – I had known the president come on the show a couple of times. It was really Breitbart. Remember, what happened in mid-August of 15 is that the uh, the campaign after the convention got a little off track, and uh, I had a, a specific uh, uh, talent for going after the Clintons. And so I was brought in as chairman of the uh, – our CEO of the campaign in mid-August, and we just had a plan. Let the president be the president. He had a plan. He had a, he had a strategy. Uh, he had a message, and uh, we didn't have any money, didn't have a lot of organization. But I thought we would be – I told him the first day when he asked me, August, I think, 14th, that uh, 100% metaphysical certitude you will win if you just stick to your message. Don't let anything else divert you. And I think at that time we were eight, 10 points down, 12 points down, but it didn't matter. That's exactly the story told on Saturday night about Billy Bush weekend when everybody else, including Chris Christie, was sitting there telling him to drop out. And I said, this is absurd. We got three and a half weeks to go. You're going to win this thing. We're 100% we're going to win it. We just got to stick to the message. People don't care about locker room talk. The country, they're losing their country. And it's worse today. You know, New York, look at New York City. New York City is on the, on the verge of financial collapse. Yeah. Eric Adams is down there being a supplicant begging for a $5 billion bailout, which is not coming. The Republican House is not going to bail out New York City. Just like they're not going to bail out Ukraine. And Eric Adams with invite, you know, becoming a sanctuary city and inviting in, I don't know, 125, 200,000 illegal alien invaders is destroying yeah. the infrastructure in New York City. So the country's in worse shape because Biden and uh, these guys stole the 2020 election. And you see where we are. So we got to get Trump. CNN's lead story today, Trump up in Michigan, Trump up in Georgia. Uh, the poll out in Iowa today, Trump's up by, I don't know, 50 points. So things are going great uh, for President Trump, but it's going terrible for the country. 100% right. And uh, the caucus is now Steve Bannon just a couple of weeks away, you know, for months and months. Because i got to tell you, and I, I, I stick by this, look, Trump did not have a very good last December. He just didn't, right? The dinner, the Kanye West, the, the Constitution, all that I believe, I really believe this. I thought it was a genius move by Donald Trump. A, because it was a great political move, but B, because he actually cares. Like, Donald Trump has heart. He actually cares. When he stepped foot, Steve Bannon, in East Palestine, Ohio, while Biden was taking pictures with Zelensky out in the garden, I said that day, I said, here comes Trump, because America just found a guy that cares. That's why your show uh, ought to be nationwide. I mean, that's the pivot point. When he went to East Palestine, it was the it was the uh, it was the uh, it was the difference in the whole thing to show that hey, I'm with the American people. And, and by the way, Biden has never gone. Biden is still never gone, and the place wow. is a mess. Wow. We went out there and recorded. Well, you saw said I think uh, Saturday night, <clears throat> and the president did give you a number of shout outs. The um, you saw the humanity right there. I kind of wish he had dumped part of the uh, prepared remarks and just been uh, like he was uh, like he was uh, it was a throwback to like Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin. It felt like the Rat Pack. He was just sitting there telling story after story as a rank on tour. 
right? It was incredible. His humanity. And people are saying this, African-American men, Hispanic men. You see the poll numbers, the, the kids uh, under uh, under 35, now that their economic future has been destroyed. Everybody's coming to Trump. And the reason is I think they see his humanity. And the trip to East Palestine uh, was showed the humanity, that he would go out there and actually uh, want to get involved with helping those guys turn it around when Biden is looking to send more money to Ukraine. No, I thought that was it too, Steve. I really did, and I've, I've maintained that. If people talk about, no, it was the indictments. No, it was Biden. And I said, no, no. He went to Ohio, and uh, that was the beginning of what's been a magnificent run. Now, look, I, I'm kind of like Yogi Berra. It's not over till it's over. I mean, I, you know, there's, there's no way he can lose the primary. I still have folks at Fox News, by the way, trying to convince me it's not over yet. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley? Steve, she's down like a 1,000 points. What, she picked up a point in New Hampshire? She picked up a point in Iowa? What do I care? She's got no, there is no chance. The primary is over. I don't know why every Republican voter and politician in this country at this point is not rallying around Trump. Do they want more Joe Biden? Do they want Gavin Newsom? What do they want? Hey, here's, here's, I think, what you're seeing. Of course, Fox this morning, they're humping this Wall Street Journal poll, which shows Trump beating Biden by the way, and the crosstabs are amazing. What they're pushing is Nikki Haley's up on Biden. The, the plan what they have with Nikki Haley is consolidate. I think they don't believe they can beat Trump, but what they want to do is get these neoliberal, neocon forces, all the big donors around Nikki, and force her on the ticket in July. They want her as VP right now. The figure she can get in the administration <clears throat> and run the thing. Uh, but there's no That's chance. I mean, I can't imagine that you and Trump sit there and, she, and her name comes up and you guys are OK with all the bashing she's done the last year. And by the way, she walked out in the middle of her stay there and really stabbed Don right in the back. In, uh, when she resigned, it was four weeks before the 2018 midterm. She could have waited four weeks. She specifically bailed on him four weeks before to basically show that I'm not with Trump. Nikki Haley's terrible. Now, the president will make his own decision, but I think of the the list of VPs out there, Nikki Haley would be the worst. But trust me, the Murdochs and the donors, uh, Ken Ken Langone, all these big donors, they're all getting back in Nikki. Uh, One, hoping something happens to Trump legally, and she's the backup. But if not, which I don't think anything's going to happen legally, if not, to force her on the ticket as a VP. And I I think there's enough people around President Trump that are MAGA that would tell him absolutely no way he can have Nikki Haley anywhere near the White House. I'm telling him that right now. If he's listening right now on the way to court this morning, please, Mr. President, don't do it. I mean, like you said, you know, look, uh, there's been people that say, he actually said to me on this show, Steve, he was on about uh, six weeks ago, and he said, Sid, I got to tell you, I never saw a VP uh, candidate that helped uh, a president win. He, he really downgraded the importance of the v- VP. And then there are folks that say, no, 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 listen, he can't win with women. And as he pointed out on Saturday night, what are you talking about? I'm doing great with suburban women. But if you buy that, if you buy that, you know, you've got uh, Stefanik, you've got uh, Carrie Lake, you've got uh, Tulsi Gabbard. There's enough folks out there that have not stabbed Donald Trump in the back 15 times. But I didn't get the impression, Steve Bannon, a couple of weeks ago when he was on, that he really cared all that much about his running mate. Now, am I wrong? No, I, I agree. I agree with him 100. percent I don't think VPs help when he really, if really, when he gets down to the polling. I think you got to look at somebody that can actually bear the burden. Remember, just project out, Sid. What's going to be 2025? January is going to be terrible. The economy is going to be in worse shape. We'll probably have 36 trillion dollars of debt. Remember, we're adding a trillion dollars in debt, national debt, about every 90 days right now. We went 30, 30 we passed 33 trillion on 18 September. We're going to pass 34 trillion on the 18th of December. 
We're, the trailing 12 months deficit is about two and a half trillion dollars. The, the country's finances are absolutely imploding, and nobody in Washington wants to deal with it. Trump's going to have to deal with it. His tax cuts, the great tax cuts he passed in 2017, all come up in February 2025. So when President Trump steps back into the White House after 20 January, the country's going to be in a mess. None of these wars are going to be in better shape. The country's finances are going to be worse. The economy is going to be worse. And it's up to President Trump to turn around. That's why his VP pick, I think, is important for somebody who can help share the burden. And I'm glad you threw in Tulsi Gabbard. I think those are the types of people you have to start looking at, people who can get things done and help President Trump. And not, not help him uh, to win the election, but help him actually to govern and turn this mess around. I love her. She was uh, so great, too. Maui, uh, a couple of months ago, that devastation in Hawaii, I thought she stepped up and did a tremendous job, and she's loyal, and she is, uh, what's even better about her is, she's a Democrat turned Republican, like my friend Dove Heikend. I love those types of folks. So she has uh, seen the light, and basically it was Trump who made her see the light. If you had a pick, I know this is a crazy question, Steve, because you you uh, actually uh, lined it up pretty good, all the issues in the United States, the economy, the strangling interest rates, the horrible inflation. People just can't get work. You can't get a loan. You can't get a house. Or what's going on uh, outside this country with, obviously, Israel and Hamas and Ukraine and Russia and the very likely possibility of China and Taiwan. What's a more difficult job for Trump when he gets back to office? Fix America or fix the world? I think if you can't fix the world until you fix America. Look, I think he's got to put them. He's got to prioritize, obviously. By the way, I want to throw for your audience into the mix what's happening down in Guyana because there's going to be a massive war down in South America, too, the the fourth part of this uh, Third World War. I think for President Trump, he's going to have to do things simultaneously. But I think, number one, you've got to fix the economy. You have to fix. Remember, he had the greatest economy. In December of 2019, we were hitting on all cylinders, the Trump tax cuts, the deregulation, the drill, baby, drill. He, he had brought it all together. Wages you know, were up, particularly for non-college graduates and blue-collar people. We need to put that in place. In particular, it's going to be different because now we're going to have about $36 trillion of debt. President Trump, and that's why you need a deal guy in the room. I think President Trump's the only person really in America right now, political or financial, that can get in a room and start to fix the economy. I think that's number one priority. Because I tell you, the credit card, the thing to look at is credit cards. You have $1.2 trillion in credit card debt at a 30% APR. You're going to start having massive defaults right now. You're going to have people that are living paycheck to paycheck and gapping that with a credit card. It's not going to be a continue on. I think President Trump's got to fix that. Once you fix that, then you can start to get, you know, start to uh, start to sort out this world. But look, Israel's never had a better ally. Taiwan's never had a better, better ally. This thing, only Trump can, I think, solve the Ukrainian situation by sitting down and hammering out a deal. So it's a lot to do, but I think the economy's first. I agree with you. This is uh, the great Steve Bannon. I actually, come on, let you run. No, you're busy. Got your own show coming up later on today. They actually ran a poll on MSNBC. Anytime they run something nice with those animals, Joe and Mika and the rest of them, it's on in the background. Of course, I'm doing the radio show. There's no audio on, but they've got Fox News, CNN, MSNBC. They ran a poll that 73%, Steve Bannon, of Americans believe that all of Donald Trump's legal difficulties, and he's in court this morning coming up, and we know it's all nonsense, all nonsense. There's no teeth to any of these indictments, any of these cases. This is just Joe Biden's administration trying to make sure my guy can't win again. We know that, okay? 73% of Americans believe that these legal difficulties will not stop Donald Trump from winning the presidency. How nice is that? 
But that shows you, particularly with Morning Mika and the, the entire apparatus, including including Fox, that has been trying to bury and put in put in the American people's mind, particularly low information voters, that this is a problem. You just stated it right there. By the way, Sid, the most outrageous one is the one in New York City. Oh, the worst. As, as ridiculous yep. as the criminal charges are. Yep. And people in New York better pay attention to this. This is a Moscow show trial. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I was at Goldman Sachs for years, had my own uh, investment banking firm. What Trump and his team did was was a normal course of business. What the banks did was normal course of business. I don't even know what the charge is. And this shows you an out-of-control attorney general. And for people in New York, better understand something. This trial is going to have a big impact because I know tons of businessmen and financiers are saying, hey, we can't, we can't let Letitia James just arbitrarily come after us like they're coming after Trump. They can take Trump down. They can take anybody down. This trial in New York City is a big deal, very big deal. Huge deal. Are you happy that he's decided not to testify today? I am. I'm not an attorney, although his attorney, Joe Tacopina, is set to join me in about 10 minutes. I think he'll agree. Are you happy that uh, the president is not going to testify? I was a strong advocate of not testifying because he's already testified. His testimony was fantastic. They haven't been able to counter that. And this judge, I think, would pull out more crazy stuff. This judge is a dangerous guy. He's crazy. He's going to drive businesses. He's going to drive. This guy and this trial are going to directly impact everyday New Yorkers right now going into work because they're going to drive businesses and they're going to drive financiers out of New York City. And right now, New York City is on the edge. It does not need to show uh, the business community, the financial community, that you just have an arbitrary uh, show trial. This guy's like a Nazi, Nazi judge back in the 30s. I mean, they're just making up the law as they go. This is very dangerous, not just for President Trump, but for everybody. I'm a strong advocate. He said enough. His testimony was great. Let's just go. Agreed. Last one, and this uh, this goes to you, Steve. You know, you had to do a couple of months in jail, the whole thing, the subpoena of Congress. Let me ask you this. You ought to do that, right? And you did it because you're a you know, tough guy, proud American. You start, you don't care. How about the president's brother? What what did you do that James Biden did not do that my friend Steve Bannon had to go to jail for a couple of months and this son of a bitch is walking the streets? Well, I haven't actually. I'm still on appeals. But listen, I stood up for the Constitution against Nancy Pelosi and for president. And I do that every day of the week. I told the president what I wasn't going to do this is about how Congress was trying to roughshod this. And the J6 committee has been totally trashed now. As we know, it was a joke. It was a one-sided joke. It's exactly what they're doing in Manhattan with the judge and exactly what they're doing in Washington, D.C. and Atlanta. You see, this is lawfare, and I'm not going to put up with it. If, they, if they, they sentence me to four months in federal prison, if I lose the appeal or lose the Supreme Court, I'll follow the law. I believe in the rule of law. That's why I stood up. Biden is, Biden's family is a crime family, and Biden's a traitor. This is treason. I was brought in by Rudy. And Carrick early on in July of 2020 and Bob Costello to look at the laptop from hell, given my expertise with the Chinese Communist Party about knowing about them. And I could see in 10 minutes looking at the uh, at the computer that the Bidens had sold us out to the Chinese Communist Party. It's obvious. And I mean, for big money, the Biden, all the Biden, Hunter Biden, the Biden brother and Joe Biden should go to jail for this, not just be impeached. Joe Biden should be in a prison for what he did with the Chinese Communist Party. Agreed. Do you uh, believe, though, on the way out here that the House Republicans uh, have enough that uh, once this uh, impeachment inquiry becomes officially maybe an impeachment process, do you think there's enough for you to think we just have to wait for Trump to kick his ass next year? Uh, no, I think I don't think they're going to remove him. I think they should. They have to impeach him. And I think they have to bring criminal charges. Look, what the, Repub- the Republican House on every issue you talk about 
has the evidence, invasion on the southern border, selling out the country by the Bidens, uh, the financial community and the oligarchs on Wall Street and Silicon Valley burying us in these debts. They, what they lack is guts. What they need right now is not more information. They need courage. And Speaker Johnson better step up or people are going to be coming for his scalp, too, because it, it, the, the country is on the brink. You need courage. You need leadership. And he better step up here and start making this stuff happen. This week is going to be an impeachment inquiry vote. I don't think it's going fast enough. I think it ought to be expedited. But, no, I, I think I think Biden – look, I think the Democrats eventually are going to try to make a move on uh, not running him. I think yeah. they're going to look to Newsom. I, I don't think anybody in the country thinks that Joe Biden's going to be president again. I think the country's had enough of it. In no way it could be Trump. So I think there are coming some tough decisions of this. But the Republicans ought to be driving that. They ought to be the drivers. They ought to be the protagonists. In this, in, dra- in, uh, in uh, driving the action, they're not. So I'm going to make you repeat what you just said as you wrap up this uh, great conversation. You know, I once asked Trump about two months ago, Steve, I said, of all the three races, I get the feeling, I don't know this, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth, Mr. President, stop me, but I get the feeling you want this one the most. And he said, you know what, Sid, that's an interesting point. I never really thought about it, but I think you're right, because let's be honest, 2016, he had no idea. 2020, he thought he won. Now you get 2024, he wants it back, and we need him back. So he agreed that, yes, he probably does want this one more than any other. So without any doubt in your mind, Steve Bannon, no doubt in your mind, come November of 2024, Donald Trump will be the 47th president of the United States. Donald Trump on 5 November will win the presidency, and not just that, I believe in a sweeping landslide. Now, look, we have a lot of work to do, but people should remember, if Trump— have, had allowed them to steal 2020. If he had gone to Mar-a-Lago and just built his business, bought more golf courses, hung out with Melania, none of this <laughs> would have happened. They, they were no, no, no criminal charges. He wouldn't be in New York to try and strip his business. They wouldn't be in, in every nine states trying to take him off the ballot. His love for America brought him back to save this country. And I'm telling you, in November, I think we're going to have a sweeping landslide in the House, the Senate, governorships, and with Trump leading at the taking the presidency. No mouth to God's ears. I got to tell you, it was unbelievable meeting you Saturday. Even better, this uh, appearance by you on my radio show this morning. Um, I'm humbled. I'm honored. I can't thank you enough. You are great. Steve Bannon, thank you so much for the kind words. And thanks for coming on, buddy. Thank you. Sid, thank you. And, uh, and keep hitting that toe catch the first day. Your show was the best show he had when he bought the station. So keep it up, brother. Thank you. That means a lot to me. That's, uh, that's a great Steve Bannon right there. My man. Steve Bannon, what a great appearance. His debut on Sid and Friends in the Morning was great seeing Steve on Saturday night with President Trump. Oh, we got Joe Tacopina coming up. We'll take a look at traffic with Joe Nolan. Still to come, as I said, Joe Tacopina will go live to Israel, speak to Alex Trayman. And the big star Saturday night outside of Trump was Ina Vernikoff with her beautiful dress with the Israeli flag. She's going to come by at 930. Keep it right here. Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. You know, I got Takapina coming up here momentarily on a completely different note. 
I know the Jets won yesterday, but who cares? They're 5-8. and eight. They're going nowhere. Giants play the Packers tonight. Who cares? I got uh, the Nick game coming up Christmas Day. I'm really excited to take my beautiful little boy, our son Gabriel, to the Knicks and Bucks on Christmas Day. Gabe's going to three Nick games that week. I'm taking him to two, Nets and Knicks at Barclay and Knicks and Bucks. He's also going to 22nd to Nets and Nuggets. He loves basketball. But the Rangers, I mean, my God, another win last night. Uh, easy win, 4-1. to one. And I got to tell you, all this Shesterkin talk, how great he is. He's great. He's fine. But, you know, Jonathan Quick has won a cup. This guy's Vezina Trophy. He's a big deal, John Quick. And he was great again last night. This is a deep, really good Ranger team. I try not to get too excited when it comes to hockey in early December. It's, it's kind of uh, like a premature orgasm, to be honest. It's a long season, long playoff season. But the Rangers are good, man. They can win the cup. They can win the cup. So I know the Yankees got Juan Soto. That's a big deal. And hopefully the Mets will get this guy Yamamoto. The Yankees are much closer to a World Series title than the Mets. And the Dodgers got Otani. So we may see Yankees-Dodgers. But the team in New York right now you got to watch are the Rangers. I watched them on the power play last night, how they moved around. Oh, my God. How they, good. They are all Insane. Fire, firing on cylinders now. Like, it's not like any one of them is not, well, it's, not like, it's just like, like Kreider scores in a, you know. I think they're finally in unison with each other. I think, like the coach, I think the coach makes a big difference. No, I mean, he's good. He is good. Yeah, Gerard Gallant got fired, and guys were like, what do you mean? And, and now you know why. So we're going to get to Joe Tacopina, big Ranger guy, season ticket holder, Trump attorney, find out if he agrees that Trump should not testify today. Entertaining and informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Been a big Monday show already. Curtis Sliwa, Brian Kilmeade, and Steve Bannon. We'll talk to Alex Trayman and Ina Vernikov, who was a big star. Trump called her on stage Saturday night, had that beautiful dress with the Israeli flag. But my next guest is uh, my longest friend, 46 years, going on 47. He's brilliant. He happens to be Trump's best attorney. Sorry, Alina. But he happens to be Donald Trump's best attorney. He is, uh, in fact, the best uh, defense attorney in the world. That's the bottom line. Anybody who's anybody hires Joe Tacopina. Plus, he's very rugged and very handsome. Here he is, the king of Bedford Avenue, my man Joseph Tacopina. Good morning, pal. The king of Bedford Avenue. That's you. That's, that's a pretty impressive title. <laughs> George Small was on Bedford Avenue. Bruce Chariot was on Bedford Avenue. Right. You were close to Bedford Avenue. So, I mean, I don't know if I could be the king ever of Bedford Avenue. <laughs> that is a big, but, big responsibility. You're right. But you're worthy of that. So before we get to whether or not Trump should testify today, you were texting me yeah. when I was ranting on the Rangers. And you've got season tickets. You, you know, you, me, and Pete Morgan. Pete Morgan texted me also. We will text often during Ranger games. And I know you yep. tend to get carried away with your teams like the Hurricanes or, by the way, they're going to play a college football game at Yankee Stadium. But on a serious note, uh, the Rangers, how good are they? It's different this year, Sid. It's different. I mean, I know it's early. You're right. And after last year's first-round exit, after a great season, it's hard to get overly excited, but this is different. Pete Laviolette is a, a different type of coach. He's a He's a tough coach, and he doesn't allow for mental lapses. This team is built differently. Um, you know, here's a great example. Last night, they played one of the best teams in hockey, the Los Angeles Kings, okay, one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. They won 4-1. to one. Three of the goals were scored by fourth liners. Yeah. Jimmy Vesey, you know, 
Rodzinski, who just was called up. Will Cooley, these are rookies. Um, it's amazing what's happening there. There's a special thing going on. Of course, Drew laid somebody out. That's always part of a, a Ranger a game. You know, it's amazing to watch him intimidate and change the course of the game. And then Jonathan Quick, you said it. I mean, look, Igor Shosturkin is the best goalie on the planet, on the planet, alive. But Jonathan Quick is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's on the, you know, closer to 40 than 30 at this point. But he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's undefeated. He's a new Canaan, Connecticut kid, by the way. Um, he's just, he's, yep. he found a new life. He found a new life yep. here. And there's nothing like the garden when the Rangers are there. No, I totally agree. Yeah, New Canaan, by the way, is where Christopher Mad Dog Russo, who was on the show a couple of days ago, he lives there. And uh, this was a WFAN segment. There's nobody there right now who could talk Ranger hockey like you and I. Nobody. Uh, so nobody. congratulations. <laughs> but, but getting back to Trump for a second, uh, I spent a lot of time with him, and he was very attentive and very friendly, over the top, actually, with me on Saturday night. I just hung up with his good buddy, Steve Bannon. He was going to testify today. He decided not to, which I thought was a bad idea from the beginning anyway. But I'm not an attorney. You are. So two, uh, two things here. First of all, uh, are you happy he decided not to testify? And secondly, does that mean he won't even be in court this morning? Yeah, it means he won't be in court because there's no sense going to court if you're not going to testify. And he definitely should not have testified. I mean, for, first of all, let's realize this. This, this case is a fait complete. It's going to be dealt with in the appellate level. This judge has his agenda. He's already made his ruling that Trump's a fraud and committed fraud, right? So what is he going to test? That's the jury. The judge is the jury in this case. He's already ruled, you know, he can't stand Trump. He can't stand anything Trump. It would be a waste of time. And by the way, you know, when you go under oath in any case, it could be used in any other case. He's got some more important cases to deal with. This case is, is nothing. It's really nothing because it doesn't matter what happens here. It's going to be overturned eventually because if you really look at the facts of this case, it doesn't belong in a courtroom. And I think that's come out during this trial, despite all the, the shenanigans and antics that are going on in there. Now, but what this really does, though, Sid, this is important because he, want to, you know, he wants to testify. He always wants to testify. That's great. But he, he didn't, and he shouldn't have or he's not going to, but this is, this is like, you know, just weeks before the Iowa caucuses, right? And it really offers a preview of the balancing act that, that he is going to have to face over the next several months when a series of other trials, you know, are slated to begin. And, and the criminal trials, it's not, a, you know, optional attendance. All civil cases, you don't have to appear, you don't have to testify, you don't do anything. A criminal trial. And by the way, to that point, you you even you even advised him, I think, against what he really wanted to do to not show up uh, the case you did for him, Ejin Carroll, which yeah. you guys happened to win. We won the the rape, and here's the thing: why he couldn't show up, he couldn't testify in that case. We all, every one of his lawyers, Kellyanne Conway and I, were on the phone with him talking about it. There's no way he could have testified in that case because, first of all, he had nothing to say other than I didn't do it, which he already said under oath. The jury heard that denial, and they didn't believe her rape claim because they played for the rape. This was all about the rape. But showing up and not testifying is worse. And understand this. Just sitting there and then not taking the stand would have, would have been really – it would have given importance to the case and then not delivering on the, the importance of that. Also, we were in the most hostile environment you could be in. This, this is a civil case with a civil judge who's clearly overwhelmed by this, and in part, I think, enjoying the 15 minutes of fame, in part, being overwhelmed by the, the magnitude of what's going on here. Judge Lewis Kaplan in federal Southern District District Court is a senior circuit judge. Uh, if it was not a place to joke around. I mean, he is, uh, you know, during that proceeding, you recall, he, he threatened a criminal contempt 
of some tweets or some social truth posts or whatever it's called that that the president right. did. That's not a that's not a friendly place. It's not a place to be glib, and it's not a place to certainly right. go in there and yeah. and and do what's happened in, in the state court. So yeah. it's that he just these are civil cases. He's got to run an election. You know, I mean, this is this is the thing. You know, he's got all these important campaign commitments, right? And yeah, he's winning by a mile. And honestly. You know, when he goes in front of a courthouse and starts talking about the witch hunt, it feeds into his base, and it is like campaigning. But I think he's he's you know has to make some some commitments as the GOP frontrunner to these to these you know campaign stops. And to do that, you can't be sitting in 100 Center Street or 80 Center Street downtown Manhattan right. in a civil danky court, right. you know, for no reason at all because there's nothing he could say, nothing that gets the judge to say, oh, you know what, I'm sorry. I no, we, we, we've, we've already had he's had the he had a guy in there who's a, who's a, uh, a professional who, who who looked at the records and said this is about as above board the most above board I've ever seen. I mean these books are perfect. The guy said it. The judge still didn't care. He could have thrown out the case right there. He still didn't do it. According to Danielle, this is based upon documentary evidence and best evidence is testimonies. It's not even necessary. She's right, I guess. Right, documented evidence. Documentary exactly. assessments that were made. What is what? Listen, what is Donald Trump going to go in there and say that's going to change his judge's mind? First of all, there's nothing he could say. Nothing anyone could say to change his mind, right? We knew that already. But even if you had a, a non-biased fact finder, it's really not that important for him to testify because he wasn't involved in the preparation of the minutia of those real estate assessments that were, that were delivered with a waiver. By the way, a waiver. Right to the to the bank saying, listen, these are not ordered financials. Do your own due diligence. And 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 they were, you know, they were his assessments. The, and by the way, as I said, I keep saying this. People forget about this one fact. Only one of the properties, those twenty five properties, only one actually sold. The Doral property in Florida, that one sold for I think a hundred million. It was certainly close to a hundred million more than the assessment on the Trump Organization documents. Mm-hmm. So yep. please. Please, and that's one of the. That is still one of the 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 properties that's listed as a fraud. Right. So it's just it's a uh, whole thing. I, I mean, exactly. And, it's yeah. a laugh. That 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 requires a laugh. You're right. And Mar-a-Lago too. They really. I think they uh, had it at eighteen million. It's worth about five hundred million dollars. Yeah, like a billion dollars. On yeah. Third Avenue and Twenty Third Street. That's worth more than Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> according know. to this judge. They're so stupid. I mean, yeah, I know. It's it's embarrassing for the judge, and Trump uh, will prevail. But let's move to the real criminal here running for president. It's not our friend Donald Trump. It's Biden. He's a real criminal, like for real. And, uh, you know, his son got indicted last week. Uh, he had that sweetheart deal. That deal went Second away. Nine. Now he's got nine extra tax charges. He's got the gun charge. How serious was that, um, was that indictment? Those indictments, I should say, for Hunter Biden last week. Uh, those are serious. That's serious. I mean, he's now facing two indictments. He's got, you know, he, he, and this is the Justice Department of his father. I mean, imagine if they were not friendly. Um, that's how bad this must be. I mean, it's so bad that they can't walk away from this because, you know, they want to, I mean, you just know they want to. I mean, look, if you read that indictment, which I have, they, there is so carefully um, constructed to leave out any reference to President Biden. So carefully constructed. I mean, you know, it's it's everything. And, and, and you know, the, the whistleblowers in that case, the two witnesses, the former IRS agents, uh, Ziegler and, 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 and Shapley, they told Congress every investigative avenue that led to Joe Biden was blocked. They were blocked. That's why they had to come out. But if you think of all the things that they have, the evidence against Joe Biden that these people claim they have that are seen rock solid, it's it's just it's mind-boggling that he's not even a 
but yet you read a Trump indictment, and it seems like every lawyer that's ever represented him is an unindicted co-conspirator or an indicted co-conspirator. <laughs> right. um, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's a very perilous job, you know. But but it's crazy when you when you read that indictment. Had how there was absolutely nothing nothing there. They, they weren't even allowed to ask questions about him, you know. Uh, so it's 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 shocking to me. But but this is a real case, and he's not going to get away with this. So I think you know ultimately, jury's going to sit in judgment. And the, the facts are pretty sl- much of a slam dunk. I think so, too. And uh, if he was Irving Schwartz, he'd be looking at an even worse situation. It does help a little that he's a Biden. But he broke the law. I mean, it's it's very, very obvious that he broke the law, and he's not going to get away with it. I agree with you 100%. Listen, you are the uh, the absolute best. And uh, when is your Christmas party this year, by the way, Tack? We do, we're a boutique firm. We don't do the Christmas party thing. We're, I'm, I'm pr- pretty much Ebenezer Scrooge when it comes to that kind of stuff in the office. No, but you we throw, no, no, I mean, off. no, not the one in the office. You go to Botitos. I mean, oh, the one at the house the with Tish. The thing, yes. Thing, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, that's, <laughs> with Theo coming, we're taking a year off that. So Theo's coming from England oh, um, you know, oh. with Morgan. So we're going to take a year off that and, and so just cute. sort of. You are so cute. And, For yeah, folks that don't it, know, Theo happens to be Joseph's. A grandson, and he's a beautiful little baby. And Joseph's daughter lives in London, so Theo is coming home to Connecticut to be with his grandfather. And I've seen uh, countless pictures. Joe's so cute. I think I think Joe's Jewish. I really do. He keeps sending me pictures of him and his grandson. He did go to yeshiva too. Blew out the candles. You you two guys, you two guys are so cute together. He's a beautiful. And a lot of babies are funny looking. Let's be honest, okay? Uh, your grandson is a handsome little boy. Boy, he a handsome kid. He, he really is. Those eyes and the expressions and yeah. the smiles. The, you know, I know I sound biased, and you're right. I do flood your text messages with pictures every I day. I love it. I'm sorry, but it's not just you. Just understand. <laughs> you're my best friend. They're, you're my best friend. They're people I met at the bagel store, and I'm sending pictures of Theo, too. So, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's really, you know, it's, it's, it's this grandfather thing. And when you said that just now, you said Theo's coming to see his grandfather. I'm like, I know. Oh, really? oh, I know. I know. I'm not a grandfather. We, 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 like were just, we, we, we were just playing dice baseball. We were 14 years old in Bay Ridge, Brooklyn. Now you're a grandfather. And listen, he's a handsome kid like his grandfather. But if he's really lucky, he'll be blessed in uh, downstairs because, my God, God was good to you there, Tack. You can't even wear a decent pair of pants anymore. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, I, it's not often that I'm speechless, but you got me. You got me. Oh, God, you are the best. Uh, another brilliant, brilliant, brilliant appearance. Hey, do you want to take you want to you want to take Gabe to the Ranger game? Do you write me that? No, you. I have tickets. If you, I know you want to take Gabe to the the Knicks and the the Nets. Yeah, yeah. Basketball is prima donna sport. You know that, right? I know that. Of course, already. Right. They all James Harden. Every five minutes, he wants a trade. He's right. mad. They want to play with their friends. Go to a real sport where the players stick with their teams. They're loyal and they're tough as nails. So I said, why don't you take Gabe to one of the? I'll take. I'll certainly take Gabe. But why don't you take a pair of the tickets? I'd love to, to Madison Club and take Gabe. Oh, so I'd Kevin love to. Days, said, yeah, yeah, absolutely. He, he would it. love that. He loves the Rangers. Who are they playing the twenty third? You know, the Sabers. Oh, that's a good game. Right, listen, let, let me talk to you after the show. But uh, you were brilliant again. I'm, I'm glad you're back. You'll do it again on Friday. And uh, keep doing your thing, Joe Tacopini. You're the best in the world. You really are. Thank you. Okay, brother, I love you. I love you, too. Best defense attorney in the world and a great radio guest. Great radio guest, my buddy Joe Tacopina. Big 9 o'clock hour about to come your way. And also, don't forget, he's Donald Trump's biggest attorney. Don't kid you. I know Alina Hava is getting a lot of play, and she's doing a great job here in New York. I know all that. Saw her on Saturday night, but Tacopina is Trump's best attorney. Anyway, still to come, Alex Trayman live from Israel. 
What's going on with Hamas and those hostages? It doesn't sound good. And then Brooklyn Councilwoman Ina Vernikov, who Trump called on stage on Saturday night. Fourth and final hour. About to come your way. Come on. Is sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Classic Too Much Heaven by the Bee Gees at 919 back on Sid and Friends in the Morning. Steve Bannon, how nice was that today, man? Your show should be syndicated. You've got the best show in the country. He said it. I didn't say it. He said it. But certainly I'm going to repeat it (laughs) often. So the attacks on our people in Israel took place on Saturday, October the 7th. I returned to the air on Monday, October the 9th. And those first two weeks specifically were really brutal. But folks, yeah, I mean, in Israel, of course, they're still living with it. But Alex Trayman, the Jerusalem bureau chief and CEO of the JNS Network, he was on me every day. Every day for two weeks. And I distinctly remember mornings where I can hear rockets and bombs outside while he was talking to me about what was going on in the south and in the north. I get confused, actually. So, But he uh, he's back today because a story surfaced this weekend that it looks like Hamas may be holding as many as 20 dead, dead Israeli hostages. And now they're threatening to kill everybody if, in fact, Israel doesn't meet their demands. So here he is, I believe, one of the most courageous people in our business today. I mean that. He's great. Alex Trayman. Alex, good morning, buddy. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Thanks for having me. Great to have you back. Again, I'll never be able to thank you enough for those uh, couple of weeks right after the initial attacks where you just showed up every morning and and really put a lot of my listeners at ease. It was a difficult time, obviously, but uh, you were just terrific. So so thank you for that. So uh, what is the latest here? Hamas, uh, Israel claims they've got at least 20 dead bodies. They claim Hamas. They've got plenty of live bodies, but they're ready to kill them if, in fact, Israel doesn't meet their demands. What are they specifically talking about? Well, you're correct that uh, it's 
it's very likely that Hamas is dead, dead bodies. They've already found, the IDF's already found dead bodies uh, since the operation started. Uh, and every day it gets reported, you know, that to another one of the families that their that their loved one are likely dead. Um, but, of course, even the dead bodies is important to Israel. You know, if this was any other country in the world, they probably wouldn't care. Uh, but Israel, you know, wants to inter the bodies properly according to Jewish customs. So they want to get back uh, the bodies, you know, even for, for closure for the families. Um, you know, so this is a, a degree of leverage that Hamas has, both the bodies and also uh, the live hostages. There's probably as many as 20 women and children still held inside the Strip, and, and we haven't even seen the first uh, man released uh, since October 8th. That's right. Not one man has been released yet. I guess upwards of 70 or 80 uh, people have been released. They've all been women and elderly, and and uh, even uh, Mia Shem. I, I got tired surprised, Alex, because... I really thought that uh, any young girl, and and I know teenage, but even younger, they rape them all. And they rape them every day and maybe a couple of times a day. It's awful. It's grotesque. But it's true. And Mia was one of the prettier girls they actually took hostage. Now, they blew her arm off, and that was her arm was a mess. But she was the first to deliver a video back home. But I was surprised to let her go because I would think that any young female, I know they're raping boys too, but not as much as females. Any young female they send home is going to tell stories about raping these things because it's going to make Israel even more pissed. So I was shocked they sent me a home. How about you? Well, we've heard already from at least three of the women that were released that uh, they were sexually assaulted, uh, violently sexually assaulted. Oh, they so were. Even the, one, even the ones that are home right now said that, huh? Some of the ones that are home, yeah. But it's also likely that uh, those that were raped and, and assaulted would be killed uh, inside the Gaza Strip after that. You know, so, you know, we, we, we're, the, the, the conditions of the hostages inside the Strip is, is horrific. I mean, it's, you know, they, and they tried to spin it. And, and in fact, we had heard that the, some of the hostages were even drugged before they were released. So they'd have these euphoric looks on their faces. You know, we saw on social media and elsewhere people saying, oh, look how nicely Hamas treats the, the hostages. It's just such a ridiculous spin. I mean, this is the most awful situation. We still have hundreds of families in Israel that have loved ones inside the Strip. And uh, underground, where there's very little air. Uh, Some of them only eat one meal a day. Some of the elderly people need medication. They haven't had it for two months. i got to think some of those poor people have passed. They don't have their medication. And it's, uh, it's gross. I mean, where they're staying, they're underground. There's no air. I mean, uh, no sunlight. It's just got to be. It's just got to be horrendous, Alex. I mean, horrendous. Well. Yeah, it's, it's disgusting. And but yeah. this is, you know, this was the purpose of Hamas's operation was to take these hostages, and, and what they hoped is that by holding the hostages and by getting the IDF to come into Gaza and to kill as many civilians as possible, and Hamas hides behind their civilians specifically in order to to up the the casualty numbers, that they would be able to uh, pressure Israel to stop its campaign and retreat. And that was how they hoped to have a victory. But uh, fortunately for Israel, they're not taking the bait. Uh, they, and they are they are performing with tremendous strength and efficiency inside Gaza. And now you have Hamas threatening to kill the remaining hostages if the if the military campaign doesn't stop. And it's but it's not likely to stop. No, listen, Netanyahu made it very very clear. Despite the pressures from Biden, Blinken, the United States, these rats, he was going to finish the job. Right? I mean, they came in that Saturday morning, Shabbos holiday morning. 
We weren't in their neighborhood. We weren't raping their daughters, killing their parents. They did it. They did it. And Netanyahu made it very, very clear, even if there were going to be pauses and there weren't ceasefires, and there was, that it was going to get done. And I believed him then, and he is doing it. But I do want to ask you about the United States. Uh, I do it every time. I'm sorry, but I'm compelled to do it because I admit I hate Biden. I hate him. Uh, I spent time with President Trump on Saturday night here in New York City. Alex, it was great. He was great to me. I love the guy. He was the best president to Israel of any other ever in the history of the presidency. This guy Biden's a creep. He says in one hand, yes, I'm there for Israel. But at the same time, he's asked for ceasefires and that he wanted pauses. And, and of course, his biggest problem is he's in bed with Iran, who is behind all these deadly attacks, which makes him, in my opinion, complicit in these attacks. So I think that Biden and Blinken have all showed their true colors the last couple of weeks, which is despite what they say, despite what they say, they are not really pro-Israel. Your thoughts? I think it's a bit of a mixed bag. I mean, obviously, what you're saying is correct. If the United States is funding Israel's primary enemies, which is Iran, and we know that Iran's taking that money and directing it to its terror proxies, Hamas, Hezbollah, the Houthis, all of which are actively attacking Israel right now, there's some degree of complicity. And uh, also they've been pushing Israel to cede land over to the Palestinian Authority and to the Palestinians, which is also led uh, in many ways to the conflict that we're in. Since the war started, it's been it's been a mixed bag. Uh, You know, they've sent over the two carrier groups to the region. Uh, More recently, you know, they they vetoed this resolution at the United Nations uh, that called for an urgent ceasefire. Uh, They have pressured Israel to end the campaign earlier, but uh, they seem to be allowing Israel to to keep going. They said that it was Hamas that violated the ceasefire. uh, And so they're they're letting Israel do what what they need to do. Are they pressuring? Are they handcuffing a bit? They are. Uh, But Israel is doing what it needs to do, and, and they seem to be withstanding the U.S. pressure for the most part. You know, Alex, when the attacks first happened, there was a lot of heat on Netanyahu. And deservedly so. I mean, there's no way in a million years that that ever should have happened, that they were able to do what they did, these, these uh, Hamas, do what they do, or by air, by sea, by land, and went in and, and uh, in multiple places killed a lot of our people. So the, the, the criticism, I think, was deserved for that specific attack. And a lot of folks, even Netanyahu's supporters, said back then, he's done. It's over. He's done. I like him. I'll be honest, I like him. And I was holding out hope that uh, if, in fact, his military campaign did what it needs to do, even though, yes, yes, they were delinquent in stopping the initial attacks, they did a bad job of intelligence, I am hoping that they do a good enough job finishing the job that maybe some of these people will change their mind when it comes to Netanyahu. Uh, Do you think that that's a possibility, or do you think, regardless of how this goes, the writing is on the wall? Well, you know, this was probably Netanyahu's last act before the war began. Uh, you know, he's been a divisive figure. He's been one of Israel's greatest prime ministers, for sure, the incredible statesman. Uh, he's tried to keep Israel out of wars uh, throughout his uh, tenure as prime minister, which is why he continued to, to kind of kick the can down the road. Um, and unfortunately, that strategy backfired on October 7th. Uh, there's a lot of pressure on to, to replace Netanyahu. There's been rep- pressure from before this started, and the pressure is only amped up, uh, you know, obviously since the campaign. But Netanyahu is a, is a leader that thrives under pressure. And 
by all accounts, uh, he's been doing a, an incredible job considering the amount of pressure that's on his shoulders right now since the wars began. You know, he he has his, uh, his challengers, Benny Gantz, in, in his war cabinet right now. Gantz has said, you know, now is not the time to replace the prime minister. Uh, so far, it looks like the campaign is going very, very well. And, and Netanyahu has managed uh, the diplomatic pressures, uh, managed the U.S. relationship and the war effort. And the domestic pressure is as good as anybody could do. But we have to see what the what the results are going to be at the end of the war. It's not just Hamas. We also have Hezbollah on the border. Will Netanyahu take this war to the north? Will he take this war to the, the head of the terror octopus in the region, which is Iran? You know, if he does that, if his right-wing partners at the end of this are, are satisfied that he's done a good job, well, the next election is, is not until the next three years. So it's potential that he can he can glue his, his butt to the chair, so to speak, uh, for as long as possible. But I would expect that all the protests that we saw in the summer against the judicial reforms will be reinvigorated after this campaign. There will be significant calls for Netanyahu's ouster. This is Alex Trayman, once again, the Jerusalem Bureau Chief and the CEO of the JNS uh, Live. He's live right now in Jerusalem, or just outside Jerusalem. What is the town again you're in, Alex? I'm in the Jerusalem. Oh, you are? The eternal capital of the Jewish people. Okay. And uh, no issues there, right? I know that uh, I took a vacation uh, about a week or so ago with my wife and my son, and while I was away, there was a Hamas attack at a bus stop where two elderly people, a rabbi and a young girl, 24-year-old girl, were shot down and murdered. It was horrible. I believe that was either in Jerusalem or Tel Aviv, but for the most part, you guys are still pretty safe, yes? It's been pretty quiet in Jerusalem. You know, that, that terror attack that took place at the bus stop, the two brothers that committed that attack are from the village of Surbahir. Uh, and if you are standing on my porch in, in the, the town that I live, Surbahir is right across the street. Uh, so wow. it's, uh, it's very real. And, and where, where those two brothers shot up the bus stop was a quarter mile from where, where my, one of my sons goes to school. That's basically the bus stop where he gets off to go to school oh every God. day. So it, it's very real. Uh, it's tense, but fortunately for the residents of Jerusalem, it's been quiet. Uh, compared to other cities like along the coast, they continue to be uh, pounded by rockets. Uh, certainly in the Gaza envelope, and, and also uh, residents in Israel's north, because Hezbollah has fired over a thousand times into Israeli territory since this all started. Nobody even talks about it that much. Uh, you know, so you know, certain parts of the home front quiet, other parts uh, very much a war zone. You mentioned Hezbollah, and of course they're funded by uh, Iran, and, and we know, of course, uh, just yesterday there was an issue in Cyprus where they uh, they were threatening Jewish residents in Cyprus, the Iranians. And we know, of course, as we mentioned earlier in this program, they're the ones behind these attacks, which makes it look really bad for people like Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Uh, really hasn't uh, turned into a full scale, a full scale, I should say, effort against Iran. Do you think that ever happens here? Do you think what we're seeing now is pretty much the extent of the war? I think we're still in the beginnings of this war. I, I don't see how the war remains contained uh, just to the Hamas uh, battlefront because of the number of attacks that have been uh, perpetrated by the rest of Iran's proxies. Again, over 1,000 uh, anti-tank guided missiles, mortars, drones sent into Israel from southern Lebanon by Hezbollah. You have several dozen uh, crews and ballistic missiles and drones uh, fired from Yemen. 
uh, by the Houthis. You have ships being hijacked in the Red Sea uh, by the Houthis as well. And you've seen over 100 attacks on U.S. Uh, installations inside Iraq and Afghanistan. Also, rockets have come in from Syria, uh, also by Iranian proxies. So, you know, the Iranians are going at it uh, pretty, pretty hard. And, yeah. and it's hard to see how this war doesn't uh, finally get to the source of all the instability here, which is Iran. You know, people think that this is some kind of a war between Israel and Palestinians, uh, and certainly the first front is that. But really, this is a war between Israel and Iran and its terror proxies. Agreed. Listen, you got to keep coming back. I know I'm a pain in the ass, Alex, but you're so damn good. And I really, you know, my, my plan is to take this show to Jerusalem for about three shows sometime in January. And I would love you to sit in with me one day. You've just been so valuable to me, and you're a courageous, great voice. So once again, thank you so much. Thank you. I'd be happy to host you in our studios to host your show right from the JNS studios in Jerusalem. So, so oh, no. Please. You know what? Now that you said that, let's do that. I mean, I'm, I'll be in touch with you later on in the week, but let's just do that. That would be great, right? Thanks so much, Sid. Thank you, buddy. There he is, Alex Trayman. Take a short break. We'll talk a little sports with Arthur Turvitz from NJ Diet. And then the star from Saturday night, Trump, the only person he brought up on stage. Brooklyn Councilwoman Ina Vernikov in her beautiful dress wearing the Israeli flag. We'll talk to Ina coming up. Sit and friends in the moment. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. You know what I really enjoyed last night? History. I love this song. I always think about John Belushi. Can't help it. Animal House. You know, of course, when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor. What a horrible day that was. I, um, I enjoyed watching the Philadelphia Eagles take it in the ass against Dallas. No lube, nothing. It had to hurt. Man, I love that idea. Look at Noam smiling, how happy he is. We're all, we're all happy here. I mean, how, how was that not porn or what? Noam? Yeah, it totally was. Right? Yeah. You could put that up on you porn and it would get a lot of hits. A lot of hits. Why is that? Why do we all hate the Eagles? I know why. Because people like Justin Ellick and Dr. T root for them. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> and then so vociferously, too. They're yeah. Just, you know, assholes. Like religious. But Bo- it's booing like- Mike Schmidt and, uh, you know, booing Santa Claus, cheering when Michael Irvin is laying motionless on the turf, <laughs> calling my mother the C-word, you know, before an Eagle Giant game at 9 o'clock in the morning, all drunk at the old uh, 700 section. When I was, Who cares? A bunch of idiots. Well, at least you're not holding a grudge. Good. No, I'm, I'm fine. <laughs> Here he is no. talking Eagle football. <laughs> <laughs> but you hate you, him. You, you, can, hate, hate. <laughs> <laughs> you can lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in just 40 days. NJDiet.com. Eight five 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 NJ Diet. He's actually a nice guy. So my friend uh, Arthur Turbitz, Doctor T. Good morning, pal. I feel like I should be. I, I feel like I should, I'm calling the wrong radio station. <laughs> I should call in the, somebody in Philadelphia right now. After that, after that, after that entry, it's into this. I don't even know how to react to most of that. But no, but that was that was a rough one. I mean, you know, look, they've not played well for like a month. They've lost two straight. Now they're right there with the Niners in Dallas. I mean, I really thought right. a couple of weeks ago they were going to own that top spot, but that's in question now. I think, uh, I mean, yeah, well, I think the big issue is I think they got worn out. That defense can't stop anybody anymore. And if you look at it, uh, Darius, uh, uh, Hassan Reddick is the youngest out of that whole court, 29 years old. Everybody else, Slay, Graham, Cox, they're all 32 or older. So I don't know how much more, how much more mileage you could put on those tires, especially after the, yeah. 
the last five, six weeks that they had. Uh, the receivers dropping balls, and, and I think they're not running. You know, that, that offense works really well when, when Jalen's running around, and I think because of the knee injuries that they probably had, that he's had all, 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 uh, all season, uh, to some degree, they're, they're not running him as much. So, yeah, I mean, they look, they look kind of stagnant, stagnant. They don't look as dynamic as they did in the past. The defense can't stop anybody. And, that's, and you play tough teams. That's exactly what happens. But you know what's interesting? The definition of irony yesterday was the Chiefs complaining yeah. about, a, about a call against somebody. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? When <laughs> uh, the guys lined up, the guy's totally in the neutral zone. It's a totally good call. And Andy Reid is upset because nobody gave him an, a, an inkling that they might call a penalty against him. I mean, really? The, the refs are supposed to tell you they're about to call a penalty against your guy when he's lining up in the wrong place? Former Giant, by the way, so that's good for you guys. Yeah, that was uh, Kadarius Tony, and of course, uh, that was a game-winning touchdown that was taken off the board, and so the Bills, who's playing much better football, beat Kansas City. So it'll be fun the next couple of weeks. Again, Eagles, Dallas, San Francisco atop the NFC. You got a bunch of teams now atop the uh, AFC. We got to win outright. You got to win outright. That's right. That's right. And win the next three games, and then we got the number one seed. Take a break for a week. For a week, get a bye, and then uh, see what happens. Maybe you'll take on uh, Baltimore. Who knows? They look. uh, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. doing a good job for that team. Remember, remember. Regardless of anything that happens, the Giants still suck. So that's a good thing. All right. That'll do it. Thank you very much for hopping on. To- <laughs> Have a nice That's a good way to end it. And you're right. They do suck. But they're on Monday Night Football tonight. Uh, thank you, Arthur Turovitz, NJ Diet, 8555NJDiet, NJDiet.com. In fact, there were two games tonight, which they usually do at the beginning of the season. But two tonight, you get the Giants and the Packers and Miami play somebody tonight. Who do they have tonight? The Titans, so that's going to be a blowout. Oh, that, 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 yeah. two horrible games. Yeah. All right, we'll take a short break. When we get back, Ina Vernikoff, Brooklyn Councilwoman, the only person with all the shout-outs that Trump did Saturday. Two to me. Two to me. Rudy Giuliani, Steve Bannon, Matt Gates, Bernie Carrick. He was thanking everybody. Everybody in the audience, he only brought Ina up on stage. Friends on the Radio 77 WABC. Oh, I love this song. Ba, 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 ba. What is this again? This is um, Australia, New Zealand. I know. Oh, I forgot. Who was it again? Crowded House. Crowded House. So Trump makes this uh, epic 65-minute speech. Like I said, he mentions me a couple of times. He mentioned Rudy a lot, which is deserved. But he only called one person on stage, only one. And it was deserved. She had this beautiful dress on. With the Israeli flag. And he mentioned the fact that her and Vicky Palladino both won in New York by over 20 points. And he uh, thinks he's going to win New York. And I think he can, too. Here she is, my friend, Brooklyn Councilwoman, Ina Vernikov. Ina, good morning, rock star. How are you? Sid, it's so good to be with you. And I'm st- I still can't get over that Saturday night. It was just so wild. It was really incredible. And, of course, it's always great to spend time with you and... Got to talk to Rudy Giuliani, actually asking some questions. It was a really great night. It really was a great night. It it was. And and it was great. I was happy that Trump spent so much time. It was on New York. It was in New York at Cipriani's. I was happy he spent time talking about New York. And like I said, pointed out Vicky Palladino and pointed you out, your very impressive victories. And you keep winning impressively in Brooklyn. Did you know that he was going to mention you during that speech? Because I had no idea he was going to mention me. I was shocked. Did you know or were you surprised to hear that? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, he called me up on the stage. I was totally surprised. I didn't expect it. He was kind of upset that I was sitting so far. I mean, 
I've met Trump, uh, you know, two years ago, a year and a half ago. Uh, he invited me to Mar-a-Lago, and it was a great meeting. And then he's actually sent me a gift. He sent me the MAGA hats, and he sent me signed articles, New York Post articles, where I was discussing Trump's policies and where I was just uh, talking about my meetings with him. And, uh, you know, I think he, he definitely remembers. So, But I still was so shocked that he invited me up to the stage. It was really wild. And <laughs> it was. And, cool. and it, was, it was good because everybody got a chance to see your dress. Now, for people that didn't see it, Ina goes up on stage. He's wearing this really pretty blue and white flowing dress. Really beautiful. And uh, on the bottom of the dress was a big Israeli flag. I mean, it was it was pretty intense. Did you make that dress by yourself? How'd you get that done? So I woke up on Friday morning and I realized I have this gala, the New York Young Republican Gala, that's going to have a couple thousand people. We knew that President Trump was going to be there. So I was thinking about a way to send a message of support in Israel while I'm, to Israel while I'm at the gala. And I just had this wild, random idea. Let me wear a dress with the flag of Israel. But I didn't have a dress with the flag of Israel. So I called a designer that I know who is a Project Runway winner. She's a celebrity designer. She dresses Sarah Michelle Gellar, Victoria's Secret Models and uh, other celebrities, and she measured me at 3 p.m. on Friday and had the dress made at nine by 9.30 on wow. Saturday morning. Wow. That's a, a very, very quick turnaround for such a beautiful dress. For folks that don't know, uh, I just spoke to Alex Trayman. He's been on with me since Monday, October the 9th, literally two days after those horrible attacks, and there's been a lot of outspoken people uh, across the country, and especially here in New York. There are more Jews in New York than any other state. And, Ina, you've been one of those people. I know at one point you had a ton of constituents reaching out to you. They could not get back from Israel. They couldn't get to Israel to uh, to see their loved ones who may have been missing. I mean, you have really gone through this on a very, very personal level. So, A, I want to thank you, but, uh, B, on a side note, how has that gone recently? Yeah, so, I mean... When when the attacks happened, the massacre that we were witnessing after October 7th, um, we just put out a message asking if anybody needs help getting out uh, because I had spoken to Chuck Schumer's office and asked them what they're doing to get citizens, United States citizens out of Israel. And they kind of gave us instructions. So we put out this message, but we did not expect the influx of hundreds, actually thousands of calls and emails coming in asking for help to get out. And we literally turned our office into a travel agency. So for about five days straight, my office was working 24-7 to help people out. But I just want to comment a little more on the dress and uh, the message that I really wanted it to send. Um, Sid, as you know, Jewish New Yorkers right now are afraid to literally express their Jewish identity to go to school and be openly Jewish, to wear a Star of David, to wear a yarmulke. They're afraid to say they support Israel. They're afraid for their physical safety. Um, And I just wanted to send a message that we cannot be afraid. And I am wearing this, the flag of Israel on my dress publicly in front of thousands of people because we cannot be afraid. We cannot remain silent. Right. We have to speak up. We Agreed. have to stand up for ourselves. Agreed. And we have to be proud of being Jewish. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I remember having uh, a back and forth. I, I actually hosted, co-hosted a rally 
for uh, Jewish people like Cooper Union, right after the NYU debacle with uh, Curtis Sliwa. And an Orthodox Jewish guy there in open years, Upper West Side, said, my son doesn't want to wear his yarmulke. I said, no, 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 you don't understand. I go, a dead body in the streets means less to Hamas than a living person who takes off his yarmulke. That's the ultimate win for the terrorists. Don't let them win. Don't do that. Wear your yarmulke. Wear your tzitzis. Wear your flag like you did on your dress in the streets. Be proud to be Jewish. Wear your, your star of David. Don't do that. That's a win. And he agreed, and uh, he texted me a couple of days ago and said his son has never taken off his yarmulke again. But where you, where you, where you work as a great Brooklyn City Councilwoman, and uh, you just want, again, congratulations. That area, you know, Gravesend, Manhattan Beach, uh, your whole area, that is a, a, a lot of Jewish people anyway. You have a predominantly Jewish area. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think probably 65% of my constituents, at least 65% of my constituents are Jewish. Uh, I represent large amounts of Orthodox Jews and also a lot of Jews from the former Soviet Union who are absolutely flabbergasted at what's going on in our country, having escaped communism and a place where you could not be openly Jewish. And to see this happening in this country, in the city right now, it, what a shame. It really is grotesque, actually. More than what a shame, it's grotesque. In the final 45 seconds, Ina, you're a great voice Altogether, just you're a tremendous council person, but you're a great Jewish voice, and I feel the same way about Trump. You know, again, the only president of the last six to do what he promised, move the embassy to Jerusalem, the Abraham Accords with his son-in-law, Jared Kushner, recognizing Israel, Golden Heights as part of Israel, stop delivering pallets of cash to the Palestinians and Hamas. He did all of that. He did all of that. The last five guys combined didn't do any of that. In fact, they helped countries like Iran attack Israel. So as a Jew, I have no idea, no idea how you couldn't like Donald Trump. Do you? So I agree with you, absolutely. Donald Trump was absolutely the best president we've had, especially for Israel. I mean, you're right. Look at Joe Biden giving cash to Iran right now, trying to unfreeze $6 million to Iran. Um, although I think that I'm, a, I'm actually a little bit surprised that the difference between Biden and Obama, I feel that this administration is a little better than than Biden. Um on, on Israel, than, than Obama on Israel. Yeah. But look, Republicans have to take the White House. We have no choice. We must make sure that we have the White House. And I will do everything I can, of course, to support Republicans. I continue fighting on the local level. And, you know, let's see what happens. But I wish for the best for our country, really. We're in a bad place. I feel pretty good about it. Listen, you were uh, terrific on Saturday night. You look great. You're a great ambassador for Brooklyn, for the Republicans, for Jewish people. The dress was great. You're great. Thank you for hopping on today. I'll talk to you and see you again very, very soon. Thank you, Ina. Happy Hanukkah. Thank you, Sid. Thanks for having me. All righty. Take care. Ina Vernikov right there, Brooklyn Councilwoman. That'll wrap it up for today. Great show. Lou Rufino, as always. Your money, baby. Swingers, your money, baby. Justin Ellick. You the man, too. Great job today. Great job. Uh, Noam Layton. Terrific, too. As my guy Gene would say, God willing, we'll all be back down to nine shows now. Nine shows till 2024. We'll all be back 6 a.m. tomorrow for a Tuesday show. Until then, from all of us on Sid and Friends in the Morning, to all of you, thank you, Steve Bannon and President Trump. Peace! The pipe out today. Tales of war and the wise. Turn right on.